It's recording. It is recording. Um. So yeah, 2022 is over. Uh, I keep forgetting. I keep thinking that like last year was 2021, uh, but last year was 2022. It's weird. I I'm still it it is it's it's. It, I'm still getting used to more so than the fact that it's a new year. I am still getting used to the fact that 2021 was technically like two years ago. Oh and yeah. I'm still getting used to that more than the fact that it's a new year. It, it That's the most bizarre thing to me. I keep saying to people that like I was in Lisbon a year ago, but oh, like, technically I was two years ago. Then. To me, that's a year ago. Yeah, it's weird. So weird. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're back. Uh, from an unintended hiatus, I guess. <laughs> uh, I might record like a little voice note explaining things. I might just do it here, whatever. It's it's a hiatus. It was a hiatus. Both of us were very busy. Our last episode that we recorded is a lost in it, it time. Will nev- it will never be seen again. I it's still think that like Mindy Kaling has something to do with it because I specifically remember Logan shitting on the Velma show. And it's predictably it's terrible and i feel like she she knew and she tampered with the, yeah the scooby-doo the show the scooby-doo show is not suitable to be listened to not because it's three and a half hours of gibberish be, yeah. but because there was actual like is- issues with the audio yeah. uh, which i hope doesn't happen again more so on my end this time because i'm on the, i am on the shady online force because audacity did me in uh, fingers crossed but now that we both have a little more time even if the audio is bad we can just re-record so yeah yeah and this is like a pretty structureless loose episode just so we could get back in the swing of things yeah so we essentially were planning to just recap 2022 and mm-hmm. talk about the things that we liked and we didn't like in general but also specifically the things that we got to do on the show last year um but yeah oh uh, by the way i um coerced another friend of mine into listening to the show when she is crocheting but she's uh listening like from the very beginning so she's sorry from the episode one. Oh so- my god <laughs> <laughs> i am so sorry to that person <laughs> your name is agnieszka um but oh my god from episode one that's crazy okay yeah I mean, I'm not sure if she has enough strength to actually like get through our three-hour-long episodes about Olsen twins. No, this is a good like. If she's listening now, like I assume you told about this recent episode, so I, I think this is a good starting point from this point on. I guess. Yeah. Oh wait, uh, my dad. My dad is texting me. <laughs> uh, I think it's an update on Don Pedro. Oh, the snowman. Is it still alive? He he has been dying. Uh, he lost all his teeth. Um, but uh, let me see the new... So, um, I will show it to you. Uh, he is doing better now. And my dad just texted me that uh, he had a visit <laughs> at the dentist and the optician. So he's... <laughs> AKA my dad fixed his eyes and teeth. Uh, so he... He's doing better, but he has lost a lot of weight, so he is fragile, and we are afraid for his uh, immediate future. 
it it is still cool, but it it might not be cold enough for for yeah for, him for, to, for Don Pedro to survive to last. <laughs> so sad for him. Uh, the snowman. Where were we? Oh yeah. So sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, so for context, my dad each year like whenever there's snow in Poznan, my dad will like use that snow to build a snowman on the patio that you can see from the living room in my parents' house, right? And each year, my dad has a different concept for the for the snowman, and the snowman is also named. So because my dad is a big like World War Two fan, we have a lot of like as you know because you've been to my house, we have a lot of like artifacts from World War Two, like a lot of like helmets, like tank shells, whatnot. Like there's a lot of things that my dad has. So usually it is the theme is somewhat like war uh, connected. So mm-hmm. I remember we had Hans, uh, who is like a, a German soldier. We also had a. Dimitri at one year because my dad uses like Soviet paraphernalia. Dimitri, the snowman. <laughs> like that, my dad used like all the like um post like Soviet military things that he has. But this year, a big surprise. My dad sort of went in a completely different direction, and he did. He made like a snowman that was kind of like 18th century Spanish like fencer and he named him Don Pedro <laughs> I thought he was a pirate I think I mean he could have the he eye could, patch no but I think because he has Don I don't think a Don would be a pirate you know like True. I think a Don would be a, a, like a musketeer like yeah just fencer, a, a, whatnot. a noble uh I don't know, member of the royal family who does does fencing all day and stuff. Yeah, but I I do agree that the eye patch is sort of misleading. I thought it was a pirate. I really thought it was a pirate. But I will sort of tell my dad that there's a new concept. So maybe next year we'll have a pirate snowman. Who knows? (laughs) Dimitri the snowman. Um, But yeah, we're back. It's, uh, well... It is 10 a.m. now, but uh, when we started, it was 9 a.m., so it's pretty early. We're fresh. Uh, we're clocking in at the podcast factory on a Saturday. Uh, and, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm not sure if anybody's happy that we are back, but we are back nonetheless. And so with next episode, we will return to our normal schedule of just like picking a topic and talking about it, but just sort of... Uh, to somehow fill in the gap left by the Scooby Doo episode, we will just talk about twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, w- what's your favorite episode that we did in twenty twenty two? Oh shit! Okay. Good question. Uh, I will say that the most memorable thing we did on the show was the Ol- Olsen saga. Because yeah. that, that was like an actual like ambitious multi-episode project. Uh, I was a little crazy for suggesting that. <laughs> it was pretty insane. And uh, looking back at it, a bunch of the films are just kind of a blur to me. But like the ones that stick out really stick out. 
Um, and I can frankly say that Holiday in the Sun is probably one of my favorite films we have watched for the podcast in general, not just in 2022. Um, so that was a so that was a standout. I think in terms of like stuff that we watched for the pod uh, last year, mm, Holiday in I the think- Sun, especially uh, the Olsen twins movie, is especially crazy. And it's a masterpiece, and everybody should watch it. It's that that one that for sure. For, in terms of like things that we watch for the podcast, and I think films that I watched last year, not that's that are, that were not twenty twenty two films, but like. I was introduced to it 2022. It's like really one of my favorites that I watched. Yeah, I think my favorite thing we did in 2022 from like was the Gregoriaki episode because I just oh, I love sweet. the trilogy. Yeah. Oh, so like, it, it was... it's cool that it holds up for you, like you remember it and like. Yeah, I mean, I think especially sort of doing generation, I like think about a film still that was incorrect i think about this film still and i think it was so interesting to see that and i actually like tell people to watch gregory Aquino as well that's so, like... so cool hell yeah <laughs> so i think that was my favorite episode because like i just got to be introduced to a really cool thing so thank you for that. Nice. Uh, uh, and same same with me with uh, the, some of the Olsen Twins movie, I guess, in, on my end. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, did you know that uh, at Sundance, I think it's at Sundance, so it's just happening now, um, they showed uh, a restored version, like a restoration they did of the Doom Generation, the director's cut. Really? And they showed it in theaters for the first time at Sundance. If if they so cool. if first like by any chance they actually um, show that outside of Sundance, I will release that in any sort of way. I really hope that they will like I'm dying to include Doom Generation in the Criterion Collection. I really want that DVD. And in in like if there's a time for it, it's now because it is this restored and completely uncensored version. I I don't even know if it's like that's a, the version a previously the unseen version? version or anything. Is that the version that we saw, or even more uncensored? I think it's like even more uncensored. I think it's like um a, a version that hasn't been seen since the original festival run that it had it went on. So I think it's like a, not unseen, but like unreleased commercially. If I'm if I'm correct. Ooh, cool. Um, I'm just. I mean, I'm not to sure if I. I'm not sure if I want to see that sort of a spoiler alert uh, um, gang rape in even more detail. Oh, no, yeah, at the ending, yeah. <laughs> I assume that that's completely uncut, but yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool, that's cool. But is, is Greg doing anything, or is he just, like, directing Riverdale? He, he, did, he, uh, he did direct um, two episodes of fucking Dahmer. So he is. No, but like, so he's, is he doing like any original content? That I, I mean, don't believe so. As like, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. Like, maybe he is, and just it details haven't come out because it's like, mm. it's not like, um, like big entertainment publications are like reporting on what indie filmmakers are doing as in terms of like big news, but okay. 
um, hopefully, like, some of the... I mean, if any festival lineup in 2023 um, includes a Greg Araki movie, I'm obviously just over the moon and want that to happen. Because it's been nine years since uh, an original film. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. So his last film was White Bird in the Blizzard mm-hmm. in a Blizzard, uh, <laughs> with Angela Bassett. Yeah, it does have Angela Bassett. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Shailene Woodley as well. Before we started recording, we were sort of complaining that Angela Bassett most likely will get an Oscar for her fucking Marvel film. It's, I mean, it's probably a great performance because it's Angela Bassett, but like, it's kind of an affront that she had. Like yeah. for for Marvel movie. Like I wouldn't mind if that was was her like second Oscar or something. Like yeah, okay, like give her more awards. Like she deserves that. But like, like her first Oscar to like Black Wakanda. No, it's a uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Like <laughs> it's like it's just it's it's so demoralizing that like an actress like Angela Bassett. To get any sort of like big recognition, she has to star in like a Marvel movie in a supporting role, or like, or not even in terms of the Oscar, just in terms of like Hollywood roles in general. Like, yeah, like just like because she's like what she's 60, 62, something like that, right? She's she's she's, might... she's actually she's like in her fifties. She's not that old yet, so there is time for her to like. No, but what I mean is that like she's been working so hard. Like since the nineties, or even probably the eighties, like because she did a lot of theater mm-hmm. in the eighties, if I remember correctly, and like to think that like all this hard work didn't get her the recognition, but you know what fucking did, starring in a glorified commercial. It's it's a bit demoralizing that like more people are more big filmmakers or other studio projects that aren't marvel movies aren't like lining up to get angela bassett roles yeah um ryan murphy was right for one thing and that was like casting angela bassett if, in a bunch of if movies. ryan murphy seasons of angela uh, of american horror story one thing you cannot dispute about ryan murphy that is that he loves giving extremely talented underrated people great roles exactly I think, like, the only good performances by Emma Roberts are in, like, Ryan Murphy shows. Um, well, Little Italy exists. <laughs> uh, but she... We, listen, you can go back to that episode and we both agree that she put in zero... Oh, no, she nothing, for the nothing. Dollar. <laughs> that's, that's, that's another highlight. Uh, the, our Italian triple feature, that's a good one. Yeah, I also enjoyed our, like, raves... Shakespeare episode. Oh my did at the god, the I love those movies. It's it's among the best stuff we watched for the podcast. Oh my god, sure. twenty twenty two was the year of Liz Fair and Fun Style. Oh my god, we all oh, okay. What was this year? Because like the amount, every episode is so different from the other. We were really onto something so, in twenty twenty two. So and we also uh, uh Dear Girls we watched and with uh, Whiplash that was also a good palate cleanser. Uh, we also watched so there was that we watched um. Uh, that was a great double feature actually. Uh, 
three episodes on the Olsen twins. Four episodes on the Olsen twins. Four. <laughs> they had this gagging. I still think about that like one good sketch on SNL, and I'm like, yeah, the, they did that. <laughs> uh, we also did our cult hey. deep dive. We also did. Uh, oh my god, we oh my god, we read the love hypothesis. Oh, oh god, we did that. So that's the we, worst we... thing we consumed for the podcast, I think. I think that's one of our like most popular. I feel like the the worse the content that we consume, the better the episode <laughs> on some level because like that episode, at least on social media, like a lot of people like reached out to me and was like oh my god this is terrible <laughs> so i think a lot of people enjoyed us not enjoying the love hypothesis and i was like and that's sort of like the love hypothesis i was like surrounded by it for like the the latter half of 2022 because like i read it we read it in september and mm. then i went to work at uh at a bookshop that had um the love hypothesis the just splattered all over it, like it in oh, English. I have a question. In Portuguese, a, a re a re-release of with an extra chapter. <laughs> uh, I have a question because I've noticed that sort of the Polish um, editions of these books, even though they are translated, they don't translate the title. So, like, it's they use the English title. Is it the same with Portuguese, or did they translate it into Portuguese? Like the I don't know. There's a duo more. Yeah, exactly. That's like exactly that. the title. That's exactly the title in 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 Portuguese. Okay. Uh, okay. I I it was all over. It was actually pretty popular. So they re they re released it with like a, an extra chapters, like a deluxe version. Oh my! God. Oh my. She's like releasing new books as well. She is like, uh, seen on Goodreads. Like, was it? I think it was. The day before yesterday, I was at a bookshop, and they had a collection of short stories she released, or like a collection. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a collection of one-shots from AO3, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. It's like a collection <laughs> of novellas, and it's like, all of it was like, essentially enemies to lovers or something. I just... She's giving she's giving enemies to love to lovers a bad name. I I have a lot of beef with her. I I have like I haven't worked for two months at a bookshop and an extremely busy time. Now I have like way more of an insight into what comes out into what's extremely popular right now. And I I know pretty much I I've been following it since like what what comes out every week. I've I've sort of maintained that habit. And I'm just so yeah. confused at some of the shit that gets popular. It's it's so <laughs> because like you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't don't understand the like. We talk a lot about sort of the like that there's so many films being made that there's so many TV shows being made and like it's sort of like that's like people don't understand why certain films are popular even though they're like shit quality, like the number of books that are published yearly I think is twice or even like thrice the amount of films that are being released yearly it's a ridiculously oversaturated market it's so it's so overwhelming especially considering how long it takes for a book to be read for like the, the, for average compared to a movie and yeah. it's it, it, it is so bizarre like 
I I can't believe I'm going to suggest this, but like, would it be? T- I mean, it would. It, I think it would break us if we did an episode on like a Colleen Hoover book or something. Have you seen the news that Blake Lively is going to star in another? Place? What? Mm-hmm. Which one? I don't know. I know one. every title I... by heart now because those things were <laughs> selling like nothing. Let me let me check because uh, I sent info to my friend. Um, it's uh, it ends with us. Oh my god! It's obviously, obviously, I haven't read it, but like it was one of the most well sold books at the bookstore. And I watched a bunch of videos detailing the plot and like critiquing it and stuff. I cannot imagine like a worse book. Like from what's been from the information that has been given to me, I seriously cannot imagine a worse book. I think we have to read it because it has like over two million ratings on Goodreads and it has a rating of four point three. It is obscenely like- popular. I feel like we have to read it. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be like. Okay, counterpoint. No, but. <laughs> because it truly sounds awful. But if there is one Colleen Hoover book that I would be willing to read and actually sounds pretty entertaining, and I've actually already pirated the audiobook, <laughs> it's Verity. I, I, wait, I have to. Because I, this book sounds deranged. It's like okay, her Verity. psycho thriller. Uh, okay, Lowen Ashley. Why is she spelling Ashley this way? It's so con- it's so confusing to me that Americans spell spell Ashley in like ninety five different ways. Like why? Yeah. Okay, anyway, it's a struggling writer on the brink of financial ruin when she accepts the job offer of a lifetime. Jeremy Crawford, a choice, husband of bestselling author Verity Crawford, has hired Lowen to complete the remaining books in a successful series his injured wife is unable to finish. Misery, okay. M- Misery-esque. No, exactly. It, it literally sounds like a crossover between Misery and Rebecca. Oh my god. Lowen arrives at the Crawford home ready to sort through years of Verity's notes and outlines hoping to find enough material to get her started. What Lowen doesn't expect to uncover in the chaotic office is unfinished autobiography Verity never intends for anyone to read. Dum dum dum. Page after page of bone chilling admissions, including Verity's recollection of what really happened the day her daughter died. Lowen decides to keep the manuscript hidden from Jeremy, knowing its content would devastate the already grieving father. But as Lowen's feelings for Jeremy begin to intensify, she recognizes all the ways she could benefit if he were to read his wife's words. After all, no matter how devoted Jeremy is to his injured wife, a truth this horrifying would make it impossible for him to continue to love her. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down. But I also think, like, it is the ethos of this podcast to read the best of the worst. So I think we should also read, like, either Ugly Love or It Ends With Us. Oh my god. Tell you what, tell you what, we will serve, we will read It Ends With Us when the film will be released. Okay, that sounds fair, because <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to shut down a good idea. It does sound like a good idea. But I know pretty much everything that happens in that book. Like, not in the sense that I'd be spoiled, but like, I've seen so many videos on it. and. But I think... But I think it's one thing to know the plot; it's another to like read. Obviously, Colin Hoover's appalling. Ob- obviously, 
and, and not I'm not pulling up cool I'm not saying that I don't already need to read the book to like produce like any sort of like podcast episode on obviously I'd still need to but I know what happens in the book it is abhorrent in any like I know the plot it is unspeakably bad like I it sounds just just some of the worst shit I can probably you can possibly conceive so, and it's not even um, the worst one. If you look, if you dedicate your free time to actually like looking up the plot of November 9th, it is, uh, she is the devil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and because of her, we don't have Z Library anymore. As that's well, true. Because, like, that's true. She is the devil. Like, all of her, like, so many of her books are about, like, are about, like, romanticizing your abusive husband. It's literally the plot of so many of her books. So one of her first book called Slammed. First of all, it happens like in slum community, which is like stay away from like my personal guilty pleasure. Okay, like that's mine. Second of all, it's about student teacher relationship. I, I swear to God, like she's a devil. Like every single book, other than Verity, is about romanticizing your abusive husband. It's literally the entire the the, the sentence that defines her entire um, bibliography. It's all of it is about romanticizing the abusive husband. It's so bizarre that she has a career as big as she does. Because I mean, it tells a lot about our society, doesn't it? <laughs> it's so bizarre, and like Verity, Verity actually interested me. If there's one book that I'm actually interested in reading, out of curiosity, right, so... is Verity because like I've I, like having heard of some of the things that happened in this book i feel like she just went loose this feels like like the sort of like like a lifetime psycho thriller that's the vibe that book gives to me it sounds extremely entertaining oh my god uh marcy just showed me like the camera like a a close-up of Kali to her spade. I just I can't with her. I literally like listen. The amount of teenage girls that I I had to like, like um like that that I had the amount of Colleen Hoover books that teenage girls came up to me so they could pay for them, and uh, with their parents' money. With their parents' money, it it is it it is incredible. It was incredibly demoralizing after okay, knowing what so the books are about. So what I'm proposing, uh, we read Verity this year, and we will read It Ends With Us when the when the movie comes out. That's and fine. It will be a double, not a double feature, but a double like nightmare experience oh for us God, because we will read both the book and watch the film. And the sequel, it starts with oh my god, oh my god, and like the was the most like demoralizing things like when I started working. I, I was just like, okay, what is this about? So I watched a bunch of videos on her. And yeah. then, like, as Christmas time approached, like, as, like, it's just like a bunch of people came up to me saying, like, oh, this author is really popular. Which books do you recommend by her? And I was just like, what do I even say? Obviously, I recommended Verity. Because <laughs> it sounded the most demented. But It sounds like the good kind of dimension. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Romanticizing domestic abuse. Like, Verity is just about, just about a bunch of insane women. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. And, but, like, ugly love. It ends with us. November, November 9th. Oh my god. Like, it is. 
Is November 9th somehow connected with uh, September 11th? Because it's like. No, no, no. No, it isn't. It is. Wait. It maybe. Oh my god. If it is some. Like, all I know is that. Is about, like, this. Two people, a guy and a girl, who. Uh, for some reason, like, every year they meet on November 9th. And it's like. Uh, he is, like. Uh, he has, like, burn scars or whatever. And, like. From September 11th? <laughs> <laughs> if this book somehow mentions 9-11 I might die but like he has a bunch of burn scars um she like her house like her childhood home burned down when she was a kid I think because it was on September <laughs> and then and then like um and then it, I think it gets revealed by the end that he is the one he was like the arsonist he was the one that like uh was responsible for her oh. house burning that i think that's what it is i might be misconstruing this i'm sorry to any calling who stands listening but like i don't <laughs> no, I'm not sorry to any calling Hoover-san listening. If you're listening to this podcast and you're calling Hoover-san, please stop. Like, you're not welcome. <laughs> calling Hoover is an official podcast enemy, alongside with Christopher Nolan and sometimes Ryan Murphy. <laughs> it's. It, I think that's the plot. I might be like skipping over some details, but I think that's the plot. And then, like, she learns to love him or whatever. It's all shit like this. Oh it's like, the guy is like... Former, uh, oh, he was a pedophile who was arrested. Oh, he was, uh, he, he, what? I, 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 he, he used to be like, uh, uh, I don't know, he was arrested for domestic violence. Oh, he has a, he treats her terribly, but then don't tell me that it ends with us has a pedophile as the love. I, no, 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 it's not, I, it, okay. it is a domestic abuser, but it's not a pedophile, <laughs> and it's like, it's Go all domestic. like the entire thing is about. Like the the girl learning to love him or whatever. I think I think that's what it, and like it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that this is this shit is. Popular. Why is Blake Lively doing this? Like she and Ryan Reynolds have a lot of money from Deadpool. She can choose better products. Think about like, ends with uh, not the spoiler because it, it does end end well for like it it does have like a morally um like. A morally correct ending. <laughs> okay. But but there's a sequel. Exactly. There's a sequel. <laughs> and the entire thing is marketed like a romance. And like the entire book is essentially about the romance between the two. So it's it still sounds awful. Just, I don't... Okay, let's move on. I actually wrote down the best books that I read last year. Um, Please, because I don't cause start... someone someone has to mention books because my ADHD ass could barely finish. Uh, I mean, I am on pills now, starting this month actually. Oh. So that's I've actually been way more focused lately. So, so there's that. So my book era I have is like a whole like list of is coming. That I so thank you about. for mentioning books because um it's someone has to. Never. So the I think the best book that I read this year and it so I think it's now one of my favorite books 
of all time is a collection of short stories by a Korean author, Bora Chung, uh, called Curse Bunny. Every sing- like because most of the time when I read like a collection of short stories, like there are short stories that I like, which are like amazing, but there's like a lot of filler as well. And in this collection, every single short story is a banger. There's like 13 short stories. And like what I also love about this collection is that they also like have similar themes of like um like the humanization because of capitalism and sort of like what happens to like it's it's a very sort of post-humanistic approach to humanity so so you think critically about sort of the social structures that we've uphold to sort of make humanity be on this pedestal as something that the like uh, um what's the word they integrate our sense of humanity essentially very good collection beautifully beautiful edition in english uh highly 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 recommend i have this book actually. Uh, yeah. i know because like i've been <laughs> telling everybody that i, love I bought this, this book of this recommendation so yeah and i really because this is the first work by this author that has been translated into english and i really hope more will be translated in the future because i want to read everything this woman has ever written fun fact she actually speaks polish and russian and she translates a lot of polish writers into korean so fun you fact have to about meet her I have to meet her and like I have to tell her that I love her. It would be very funny for me to speak in Polish to a Korean person <laughs> though. Like it's always weird to me when I speak to foreigners in Polish because I'm always like, why would you learn this language? Like I like it's not so weird when I speak for example with like people from other uh, Slavic countries. So for example there's uh, you know, more and more Ukrainian people living in Poland, so they obviously are learning Polish as well, so they can function here better. So like that to me is like normal. So like even if I hear Ukrainian accent uh, when I speak to people, or like Belarusian accent when I speak to p- people in Polish, it's okay. But like once I met a Spanish guy who lives in Poland and he spoke Polish, and I was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what is this?" I mean, like, good for you for learning the language, but it's like, it was so strange, it was so bizarre. And apparently, like, the biggest, like, Polish faculties, or, like, in general, sort of Eastern European languages faculties are in, like, East Asia. So, like, you have conferences with, like, scholars from, like, University of Tokyo and, like, Yonsei University and Seoul and, like, a bunch of, like, Chinese universities and they all speak Polish to each other. Bizarre. What? That's crazy. I know, right? It's so weird. Anyway, moving on. I read this year uh, one of the longest books I've ever read, which is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Fantastic, fantastic book. And I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Zoe Kazan is adapting the book into a miniseries, which I'm very excited about. And Florence Pugh will play my favorite character from the book. Oh, Florence Pugh's attached to it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's attached to play Kathy Ames, which is sort of like the anti heroine of of the book. Uh, very like I am impressed I mean okay trigger warning Seinbeck was a huge misogynist (laughs) so that's something to like bear in mind when you read his books what's so impressive to me about East of Eden is like it's it's a book that has over 700 pages and it just reads fantastic like you're not bored by any of it like it's just so interesting and it's so well crafted as well and the, the pacing is amazing and 
to me that's very impressive because like there's a lot of books that are like 200 pages and the pacing is already off and to like write a like work of this scope and have it you know work on so many levels throughout 700 pages is very impressive to me and i'm very excited for the adaptation because i think her grandfather did the the james dean one right yeah elia kazan um uh, directed the the 50s adaptation of east of eden which i think is like the most famous one yeah and and but like the Ilya el eli or Ilya. i said i i, I pronounce it elia kazan Elia, okay, Elia Kazan, because that adaptation with James Dean is only adaptation of like because the book is sort of separated into four parts, and from what I know, the Elia Kazan adaptation only adapts like the the very ending, so the, the last part. Of oh, the book. okay, okay, because I haven't I haven't seen because it. E- okay, so um, because East of Eden is essentially a history of these two families throughout different generations, and sort of the James Dean book focuses on the last generation portrayed in the book, so. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I also read uh, Saga. I mean, I started reading Saga. Oh, I, I I've read uh... this one. I know Saga. Yes, Saga's great. <laughs> I haven't read it in like five years, but it's. Yeah. Um, I, I read the first four volumes, but it's awesome. I like if you want to get started, especially if you want to like a, a good introduction to graphic novels, like just want to start reading more uh, graphic novels and comic books in general. Yeah. Saga is awesome because it's it it is so colorful and so vibrant and so fun everything you could w- possibly wish from like um a graphic novel if you're just starting out in in the medium and that's what appeals to you but also it's like uh, uh if you also like grand sci-fi epics you know your star wars your, uh, 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 your dooms yeah. and, and, and all just... that but it, and it's also extremely funny and it's like the tone of it is unlike anything I have ever seen or read. It's yeah, yeah it, it 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 like sort of merges this very like tender family tone. It's very sweet, but also in- incredibly deranged violence and sex and dark humor. It's 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 great. Uh, on many levels, it reminds me of Avatar: The Last Airbender. I don't mm, know if no, you watched no, no. the the show. Okay, but so the show, you know, obviously it's a it's a cartoon for kids. It, it's a it's a very good show. I think you like it a lot, especially the second and the first season. But it, you know, it's a cartoon. It has like this very interesting world building, but at the same time, it also talks about imperialism. And I think Saga is very similar in that sense. So like, you both have like just the amazing imagination of fantasy or sci-fi so just like the world the the colors everything is just so interesting to read and it's just so fun to engage with but at the same time you have this like very sort of historically conscious portrayal of what imperialism and like does and sort of in saga it's more about sort of war does to people especially sort of prolonged war uh, which draws parallels to a lot of things that are for example happening with the palestine 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 and Israel conflict, for example. So, like, it is very interesting, sort of, to read both as just like a very interesting world that you learn more about, but it's also like a very sort of, at least from because I only read the first nine volumes because I sort of bought the book one compendium, and I have to buy more this year to continue reading the story. But at least in the first nine volumes, like it balances very well, sort of, the creativity of sci-fi, but also like. It's rooted in sort of realistic portrayal of what kind, what this kind of conflict does to individual people. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you read up to issue nine. 
Okay, okay. Yeah. I read like four volumes, but I, when I mean vo- when I meant volumes, I meant like the um, the paperbacks. So and oh, yeah. I think the fourth paperback, if I'm not mistaken, goes up to the twenty fourth issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I have, yeah, I I have to like read more, but like I started reading Saga this year, and it's great, and I'm. I, it was like a very good month for me because I, I think I read the Cursed Bunny and then like right after I read Saga and I was like, June was like a good reading month for me. Oh wait, I think because I, I, I there are there are a bunch with sometimes with graphic novel releases, and comic book just like sort of compilations that are get get get, get released outside of individual issues. Um, gets get a bit, you actually read way more than me because um. Yeah, oh, okay. you're right. Because like you read up to volume nine, in terms of the 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 paperbacks. So oh okay. yeah, I did because I didn't know this this about this edition compendium one. Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer oh, like when yeah. you have like a going series. I prefer to buy the compendiums because at the end of the day, it's like a way more economic, for economical sure. sort of way. Of for sure, I, I I thought you meant like so. Yeah, so there are like the the, the individual paperbacks. And then there are these deluxe versions that, like, one, two, I mm-hmm. think there are three of them that have, like, um, the first, like, each of them are, like, three volumes. But, mm-hmm. so I thought you just had just read, like, the first, um, the, f- the first one of those, the first three, the, the first three volumes. No, no, I read the, like, the, the big, big, big one, book. which I just mm-hmm. know, now know about. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and yeah. I want to... And I want to buy. I actually might ask my dad to buy me for Women's Day the the second one, the the pink is one. Is it is it coming yes. out uh, soon? So like uh, uh, you already have three books. So you have book one, book two, and book yeah, three. Yeah. And I think in two years you're gonna have book four. So from like the big companions. Oh, right? okay, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. yeah. Graphic novel it's so confusing. Like, publishing is so it confusing. It is very <laughs> confusing, yeah. Because it's like, you have the individual issues that come out, like, one every month. And then you have the paperbacks, which are, like, um, are, like, compilations of, like, five or six issues or something. But then you have the those big compendiums with, are there, are like, three paperbacks in one or four paperbacks in one. Yeah. And then you have the even bigger compendiums. It, it's so confusing. So, uh, uh, my takeaway is, I also really recommend Saga. Like in what whatever sort of format yeah. you read, I know that like there's like this um, comic book online like illegal website where you have a bunch of scans. So you can also mm-hmm. just read mm-hmm. it online. You don't have to spend a lot of money to read it. But it's it's an amazing series, highly recommend. And I think it would be a good like animated show as well. I feel like. If they were to adapt it into an animation, sh- like it would lend itself very well to into an animated show. Not so much. No, like, because like I remember reading it when I was reading it, I was like, "This sh- this thing is so popular." So it it must have been it 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 like um, a live action adaptation or any adaptation of sorts must be in conversation. But like reading it, it's just like, how would they adapt to this live action? It's like. I feel like it's very similar to Invisible. I don't know if you watched that show on Amazon. It's it, it's a it's a good adaptation. I think um, it, it's a it's a good animation. I recommend it in general. Uh, but I like I can't imagine sort of it working outside of animation. And I'm sort of happy that like we on a few even though HBO just like murked so many of its cartoons and animations and just like left fucking Velma. <laughs> Moving on, but. 
animation of Emma is good. Like it's it's the the writing that sucks. Like animation itself, I don't know if you've seen, but like the animation, it's the the animate like no no shade on the animators of Emma. The concept of the what show is just sounds terrible in general. The concept is terrible. The writing is terrible, but the 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 animation is good. I, I mm-hmm. think like they 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 did a good at least from the clips that I've seen. They've they've done a good job animating it. What was I saying? Anyway, doesn't matter. Saga's great. Read it. <laughs> then I le- read the newest Elena Ferrante book, uh, The Lying Life of Adults. And I've seen that there is an adaptation on yeah. Netflix that I haven't watched yet, but it looks good. So I will be watching it this month, probably. But the book I, is very I, good. And I I, yeah, I was going to say, is that the one? Yeah, that's the one that has the, the, newest, um, the newest adaptation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, my dad started reading the um, My Brilliant Friend series. He's really enjoying it. <laughs> that's that's her, that's that series is considered her magnum opus, and like most people read that series, but it is for books. And so, if, if you want to have like a good understanding of her style and her themes and sort of what she does with her female characters, I think the Lying Life of Adults is also a good way to like get introduced to her style and like. Uh, literary consideration because it has like a lot of very typical themes for her but it's just one book compared to four books in the napolitanian series <laughs> napolitan i can't pronounce things but yeah I, i'm happy your dad's reading it and, and he's enjoying it the show on hbo is also good so i recommend it as well and uh, then i read slow man by kutze oh kutze okay slow man who's like a <laughs> who's a um i only have two more so don't worry uh i read it for class and it was i think from the books because i haven't read all of his books uh but from the ones that i've read so far i think that's my favorite by him it's it's a very moving portrayal of aging and sort of realizing your own mortality and also i, I am very interested in surfing books that deal with like human interactions and like how much it's reasonable to expect of other people to take care of you and also like it, it's also just like a story about a man who's like very suddenly oh okay maybe i should tell you what the book is about so it's about uh, this guy who's like 50 52 who had who's involved in a car accident he was biking uh, and a car hit him and because of the accident he loses his leg because the sort of the doctors decide that like you're too old for us to even try to salvage your like knee joint so we will you know we'll um, amputate the leg and sort of the book is mainly about his relationship with his nurse and sort of he because he becomes like more and more obsessed with her on some level but it's also sort of about his like coming to terms with the fact that he like is suddenly dependent on other people mm-hmm. and uh but at the same time it's also kind of meta because like there is the character of elizabeth costello who's like a alter ego of could say himself who is a writer and she sort of appears in the middle of the book and she's like because she's writing a book about uh, the main character the the the, the shuler still manages like you have to make decisions you have to engage with life like you, you have to be more proactive so it's a very interesting book uh i'm not sure if it's a good introduction to katsu because it's like a bit meta and like to really appreciate a lot of his themes you have to sort of be a little bit more familiar with his writing style but a very good book so i recommend um, it, it is i was looking up um 
the book as you mm-hmm. as you were talking about it, which is why I, I said, oh, the Ketsu one, because I was I was looking it up. <laughs> yeah. And like, this book sounds really interesting. Uh, and it strikes me that this book has a 3.4 on Goodreads, but the Colleen Hoover book has a 4.3. Just Listen. shut the whole thing down, I think, at this point. Like, Goodreads is, Goodreads is very similar to... Oh, for sure. That's the comparison I was going to make. In terms of rating. So it's like, it's a very good tool to sort of researching what's Mm -hmm. popular. But it's not a good tool, I think, to researching quality writing. And especially the more literary and the more like experimental the book is, the lower the ratings will be. Because a lot of people would just like pick the book up expecting sort of um, like less demanding fiction or sort of less artistic fiction. And they'll be like... I me no likey. Yeah. But so it's it's it varies a lot. Like there like there's yeah, I, I it, don't go by ratings on Goodreads. Yeah, it's that's that's advice. the thing with IMDB and movies as well, because like if there's anything slightly experimental on IMDB, it's not gonna get an over an eight. It's it's yeah. just it's just not gonna it, and, and I don't even mean like extremely weird movies. I mean like, like After Sun or something, because like in that that like just because it's what's the rating? Yeah, I mentioned because because I saw it this week and I was looking up. I was looking up the like I was just researching the movie and I was like looking up on IMDb. It just have a seven point four or something. And like this is a movie that's universally acclaimed. It has like a four point three on Letterboxd. And then just yeah. because, and it's not even an experimental movie in my opinion. It's just it's 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 relatively conservative in terms of yeah. yeah it, it's not like, hard it's to not... understand, but just because it's not yeah. entertain like in the Hollywoodian sense of entertainment, it just doesn't get that high of a rating, and I'm just extremely confused. And what I'm finding out about Goodreads, um, is that it just functions the same. If a book. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's the same thing with like, it's the whole thing. Is it just like, just increasingly convinced that just all people want about out of books and movies is just um, enter- entertainment. And that's not particularly why I watch movies, especially. So it's just, it's just the disconnect yeah, that I, I mean... like, find it hard to understand outside of my own like bubble. Yeah, I mean, like you know, Goodreads is like was always supposed to be the community-based reading platform. So like, like I I don't have any beef that sort of the rating, like, the the rating system is more mm-hmm. sort of indicative of like how much the particular communities enjoy the book compared that to like, its critical acclaim or not. So like, I don't have a beef. I just like sort of. It's similar. It's it, the same way. I don't have a beef with IMDb because like IMDb again is like more sort of community networking like i use imdb more often to just like look up oh like where this person was involved as well what future projects they have like stuff like that it's like it's very good in that regard but like when i actually want to sort of see if a film is worth watching or not i check it on letterbox and with books i either just read it myself because with books i like i i uh, like I'm open to hating a lot more than with films. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the that's the thing though. Like it, it, they are mm-hmm. bookmarks. I think bookmarks. I think is like a reliable, relatively reliable page to check if a book is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that too. Um, it's just 
uh, it, 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 I think it's just um, gotten to a point where like us as grown adults like have developed our own tastes and have developed like what, yeah. uh, we just we just know what we're interested in and IMDB and I guess Goodreads for like teenagers especially it is sort of this like gateway to oh what do people like just in general like what yeah. not what is acclaimed in certain pockets what do certain types of people like just just overall what's like the mainstream uh idea of acclaimed movies or acclaimed books or like what what's popular and that it yeah. is could be a good gateway but it's just like it's it's a bit it's just it's, it's just mean, so alien to me browsing it as a person with already my own tastes already formed and just yeah yeah I mean, like, it, like it serves its purpose, and like I think it's also a good, like, just research tool to yeah. see, like, what was in, like interesting, what's the most mm-hmm, read things mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, if you're looking into getting getting into reading, especially sort of more literary fiction, more experimental fiction, Goodreads will not tell you what exactly. really good. Goodreads is very good with genre fiction, I think. So like, if you specifically want like very good crime novels or romances like in very specific genres genre convention then goodreads will help you find more good like mm-hmm. more books that people who enjoy that genre also enjoyed so for like more conventional fiction it's a very good research tool but if you're looking to specifically literary fiction and artistic fiction even though i you know i the, don't like yeah, yeah, yeah. strict categorization but like it's not the best space to find books within that sort of uh part of literature okay let me Sorry. finish the books so then we can talk about things uh, films and tv shows and music mm-hmm. so things we both you know enjoyed uh i also read uh democracy by john didion loved it i think it's my favorite john didion again i haven't read all of her books yet but like from the ones is I it read, a I novel it's my favorite one and i'm actually mm-hmm. it's a novel and it's about um this like it's happening like right after the fall of saigon so like right after america lost the vietnam war but it isn't really about that it's it's hard for me to like explain it but essentially you have this couple because like it's very metafictional and like didion is like a self-aware narrator and like he sort of battles with herself which story she should tell in the book but i think like especially in the context text of Vietnam War and like American involvement it's a very interesting text about sort of on a meta-narrative level about how meta-narrative the Vietnam War itself is in American lore and I'm actually thinking about writing my masters on democracy and the sympathizer the sympathizer I read uh two years ago oh my god incredible book there will be a mini series uh done for HBO that Robert Downey Jr. is executively producing and Pac Chan Wook will be directing. Ooh, so nice to hear RDJ using his Marvel money for something useful and good. And he was also like pushing that like actual Vietnamese people will be cast in the in the show, not just like Asian. Like he 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 I, I, good job, Robert. <laughs> so um I think they will be shooting the series this year and it will be coming out next year but in the meantime read the book amazing and then i read slow days and fast company by uh eve babbitts which was also very fun and i feel like you would enjoy eve babbitts she's very I've, I've, vibes I've, I've, heard, I've heard about like how because it's 
nonfiction, right? I mean, okay, it, okay. it's fiction, nonfiction. So, so, so if she's oh, fictionalizing got it, got her it, own got life, it. essentially. Uh, I've heard that she's, like, very funny. Eve Lavitz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's very funny, and she's also, like, really... Mm-hmm, vibes mm-hmm. of her plot. Very vibes of her plot. So I think you'd like her. And she's also not very dense. Meaning, like, her, her mm-hmm. books are relatively short, so it's also... Uh, you know, it's not yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I took me two um, weeks to read. But yeah, those are the best uh, books. Obviously, I, I didn't here. read as much, um, but mm-hmm. I and don't say obviously. It, that's like I, yeah, because like, obviously I'm not as big of a reader. I I want to be though, and I'm I'm trying to be. I'm trying. Are you doing the like? And I haven't set any or? goal, but. I would like to shout out um, two books that have stayed on my mind. I wouldn't call this one necessarily great. I give it like three stars, but it, it's one okay. that I read in a single sitting at an airport that I just had to pick up because. Are you talking the. the, the, the yeah, with my former with job, job, we had to remove this post. Um, it's not great, but it's pretty short. And it was, uh, yeah, it's called We Had to Remove This Post by Hanna Bervo. It's, it's a Dutch name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and it, it is uh, this very short book about uh, content reviewers. Um, and I think it, 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 it's probably the first novel about that to feature any content reviewing as a profession because it's so like new. But it's essentially like this relationship between seen... um, two women that uh, meet on the job, and uh, they essentially like um, they work in the same team and they watched all this violent content and stuff, and it sort of like goes deeper into how it affects their relationship, like just just being consumed by extremely violent content all day. And then bringing that sort of part of their job into their home, which I, as a concept, is fascinating. The execution was a bit underwhelming, especially with how the plot developed towards the end and how it just um, sort of fizzled out. But it started off extremely strong, and the concept is really cool and really unique. So I, it was worth, it was worth reading for sure and worth picking up. Um, and then, well, this is for me only, but I extremely loved the Mox, which is a, a autobiography of a wrestler that I love, John Moxley, and uh, I, I, it, it was extremely joyous because the, the way he writes, and you could tell that he wrote it himself because it's just off the wall insane, and because and he, in the way he writes, is exactly how he speaks, in real life and in character, just, just sort of stream of conscious like just no linearity to the biographical elements whatsoever just you could probably tell like he wrote this in a bunch of sittings and like, let's fucking go my favorite part of it is the <laughs> when he dedicates entire chapters to recommending things he likes um yeah this, yeah this it's just like oh right wait, I, then i um i moved to this part where i started wrestling in florida and then there was that New chapter. Oh yeah, Lana Del Rey's ultra violence. 
this album is awesome i love lana del rey it's just shit like this and it just like it was so much fun like being a fan of the guy it's it's it it's it was extremely yeah. fun it was extremely fun yeah th- those aren't the best things i read this year the best thing i probably read this year was like the fleabag play but like those are the two things i've thought mm-hmm. of the most uh in terms of my reads yeah yeah that's uh, I wanted to say, have you watched this like British horror film? Censor? No, I haven't. Um, actually, yeah, I did hear. But I you've did heard hear about, about it, right? It, and surprisingly, like, I, I was just like expecting it to be. Oh, it's just another sort of like an, another festival horror movie. I kind of know what those are like aesthetically in general. But then, like, a bunch of people that I wouldn't expect to like it started liking it and recommending to me you included and i was just like okay this it's yeah yeah it's, it's quite interesting cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 especially the ending was nothing like i was expecting it to be so but it was also like interesting to sort of historically speaking to sort of see that part of uh, british history like you know with the video nasty paranoia and stuff like that so um yeah i think you might enjoy yeah, it yeah so let's move on to films so we can both talk about so since I was talking so long about books that I liked, let let I will let you start about the films that you yeah like, like the most or stayed from with the from most. last year from that last came year. out. Okay, so if I if, in general, I, so m- my my uh, list is films that came out last year that I really liked, but with TV shows in I general. have just things. No, I also no, I also have things that came out last year that I liked. But no, no, because like in terms of movies, like <laughs> in terms of books, it's obviously much harder to keep up with comes out. It like in a particular year. Yeah. Um, I noted down, um, movies that came out in twenty twenty two, but I also could could recommend some movies that I watched for the first time in twenty twenty two that didn't come out. So, okay. uh, just very quickly going through them. Uh, these are books that I came out in 2022 and I saw in 2022. So um, just to give a okay. quick shout out to movies that came out in 2022 that I watched this month so far and I would 100% recommend. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I This month in January, I watched Avatar The Way of Water for the first time. Uh, it came, obviously came out in 2022. Great blockbuster, tons of fun, beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, Puss in Boots 2. It's awesome. I still haven't seen it. Like everybody's, I have. I have to. I'm very behind on things because like for sure, yeah, yeah. Like studying, so like I'm, I'm behind on my reading. I'm behind on my watching. Like I'm like I haven't watched, for example, the Mm -hmm. Ella Miranda show yet, even though it like came out at the beginning of January. Um, Like, yeah. So sad. Like if you have to like watch it at home, like Puss in Boots too. It's. It's. I am planning it, to. I'm yeah. Planning to, I'm planning. Sorry. I'm planning to watch uh, three films at home this week because I finally have some time. I want to watch Megan finally. Uh, I want to watch Banshees of Insurin and I want to watch uh, Post Puts too. Like I, I went um with friends to to see it in the cinema because like, you know what? This sounds goofy as hell. Let's go see Puss in Boots too. It's really good. It's like. It's it's a very simple, straightforward story for children, but it's so well told, and it's about the Puss in Boots character grappling with the fact that out of his nine lives, he only has one left because he died a bunch of times. So, 
and now and now he's dealing with mortality and it's just so it's just like dealt with in such a funny way um then it's like sick action adventure because he's like battling the like death which is like this like mean ass wolf character that appears throughout the movie um like the the animation is stunning it like i would compare it to um into the spider-verse in terms of like how vibrant and colorful it is it's awesome the sequel to the spider-verse com- is coming out this year this right? year i'm pretty excited actually uh so so like i i and then i i like watch the obviously watch the english dub the original the, not the dub the original uh, because it has Florence Pugh and Olivia Coleman voice acting on it. Uh, I watched, I, which I regretted because I watched the Portuguese dub. Mm. And uh, there were very funny decisions made in terms of certain characters, like certain accents they decided to give certain characters in specific. Um, like accents from Alentejo. Like we're given to like the, the Goldilocks bears. Which is, which, Fantastic. and Goldilocks is voiced by Florence Pugh, so that's, well, yeah. Um, it was a great time all around. So that's a movie that came out in 2022 that I saw in January. Then not in time for in 2022 to be on my 2022 list, but it, it's it's a great time. Megan, it's it's so much fun. I saw, I loved it. Uh, wait, that's not 2022, it's 2023. It's that, technically that's 2023, but anyway, go see Megan. And then uh, my favorite Two, my, my two favorite 2022 releases that I watched this month, Fablemans and After Sun. Um, uh, the Fablemans, those are two like very acclaimed movies that came out last year that I only got the chance to see this year. Um, After Sun, obviously, like you've seen as well, right? Yeah, I've seen it. I've actually seen it in 2022. I've seen it right after Christmas and I loved it. And it's like the first film on my film list. Nice, nice. Uh, I loved it so much. It's so beautiful. I think I, w- I will go see it again. I, I, I would go see it again. I watched it this week for the first time because it finally came out here. Mm. And uh, I I think I love everything about it. There's not a thing about it that I would, I would change. Um, I love, love, love Paul Mescal's performance. Yeah. Um, he had a good. I, I I still haven't seen it, but I have to see the other film he starred in this year, um, God's Creatures. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard about this one. I yeah, want to check it out. I've heard about it, but I, I I honestly I'm so on board with anything Paul does because he he is so ridiculously talented. And there's th- gonna be a film with him and Saoirse Ronan this year, I think, as well. Is it? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it's called Foe or something. Or maybe I'm mixing up productions, but I feel like they will oh, be in a film together. The two, the two most talented Irish millennials. <laughs> oh, that's awesome to hear. The Irishification oh. of media. So many Irish Oscar nominees this year. I mean, the Irish, it's kind of like an Irish renaissance. We, it we is, yeah. Missing. Colin Farrell renaissance, the rise of Paul Mescal. Yeah. Yeah. So the film is called Foe and it's based on the novel. And uh, the three people starring in it is Saoirse Ronan, Paul Mescal and Aaron Pierre. That's Paul Mescal and Saoirse. That's awesome. I Oh, I'm so excited. And it's directed by Garth Davis. I, Garth Davis. Don't know I by name, but... He directed Lion, the film with Dev Patel. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Um, but yeah, After Sun is like, how would I describe it? So you follow, for those who don't know, like you follow um, 
Paul Mescal's character, who is uh, the father of Sophie, uh, and they go on summer vacation um, in Turkey. In Turkey, yeah, and um, they, he's a single dad, so like the the parents are separated. You only see um, the relationship. Pretty much, the two main characters are pretty much uh, Paul Mescal yeah. and. The oh, whole film is essentially Sophie. just this like holiday. You don't get a lot of flashbacks mm-hmm. or like it's it's very sort of claustrophobic in terms of time and space on many levels. But at the same time, it has like a lot of um, retrospect as well for reasons that I will not spoil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In um, well, you you pretty much follow it through the lens of of Sophie quite literally because many passages in the film, many parts in the film are seen through her like camera that she's yeah, recording like video like, camera yeah, video yeah. camera and uh it's just incredibly moving because it's all about um childhood memories impressions that of people not just like people you meet uh, as a child that that um and also impressions like that your own the perception that you have of your own parents and what they're going through as you are a child and you're sort of like figuring yourself out but sort of like uh, well i guess what i'm trying to say is without spoiling is that um that by seeing the relationship with her dad through her lens you at, at times you get sort of an incomplete portrait of in the beginning of who Paul Mescal's character may be. All you get is these like snapshots of you know um, him and Sophie together. But as the film progresses and you get you 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 sort of get what the film is trying to do in terms of like um, transposing memories into a film, sort of making a film about non-memories, and um, how by the end that. Um, ends up constituting this um, overall portrait of Paul Mescal's character in the film, which I assume is maybe a little bit autobiographical. I don't know. Oh, no. It, it, uh, because it's it's a debut of yeah, the director. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Wells. Wells. Yeah. And it, it, sort of, it started from like her memories of her last holiday with her father. And there's like a picture that she posted. And like Paul Mescal and her father look very similar. So like... Like the concept, like the starting concept, is very autobiographical for her. Like yeah. she says, like from that point on, it, it's fiction, but sort of the core idea. Uh, and she doesn't elucidate whether it's like on emotional level or just like the setting or just like the concept, like sort of in terms of like, oh, what the story should be. It's autobiographical, but she's oh, so so like it has these autobiographical leanings, which I think makes the film given like how like it deals with memory it like it makes it a little bit more real because of that but i also think it's such a promising debut from her and like i'm very excited to see what her next project will be like i truly wouldn't change anything about it and it's like um yeah it's essentially just a, a portrait of her dad and her relationship uh with her dad when she was a kid um and uh by the end like when you piece all everything that you see um together it's like you're finding out 
yes it is about young sophie but it's it's just as the film progresses you sort of like find out that you're watching everything you're watching is also through the lens of like adult sophie Caleb. Of, uh, yeah but also like it's also just a story about Caleb and sort of like yeah 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 it, the film is definitely a more a, more than her it's a, it's about her father uh played by paul mascal yeah. and um it is like you're sort of discovering as the film progresses through the eyes of of her looking back um who he was and who he was trying to be uh and the depth of the issues that he was facing and i just thought it was a very moving portrayal and also from a very unique perspective of um like just a father dealing with i guess i can say it's a father dealing with depression i guess yeah like but also like for a film so like intrinsically sad it's also very warm and like it's so like and which makes it even sadder right? it, it's it, it, it's a beautiful experience yeah because it, it's it's sad. super cute because all you get is these like just like it's it's very cute and very funny because it's just a bunch of like sweet father-daughter moments um that give you this complete portrait by the end of who at that time when sophie was a kid who he was um Mm. yeah i just i loved it i i it's it was it's such a um unique way of telling a story and um of developing yeah. a character in terms of just it, it, uh, even outside of um autobiographical ties just like it's just a very unique way of uh developing a character and finding out more about that character through the, through um through the runtime of the movie um who who he is through the way like 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 i said like you get sort of this incomplete these snapshots like these very uh, fractured segments in the beginning um and you might not understand why is he acting like this oh like who is this guy and as you as you find out and through these snapshots the way it just like forms this complete complicated portrait of this guy it just becomes so moving it, by the end it just it's hard yeah. uh and yeah the fablements which is another autobiographical movie uh by steven spielberg and this this like this is being sold as this big oscar darling uh oh it's about oh wow a great director discovering the power of movies but like what i find most interesting about the fablemans is that is when it's not that and it's the complete opposite it's um have you seen it no i guess what i'll say is it's along with after some of my favorite releases of 2022 and like what i'll say about what i love the most about it even outside of that whole aspect of like oh it's a coming of age movie with um a younger version of spielberg a fictionalized younger version of spielberg discovering his passion for cinema like you know sure that's cute but like what's really really interesting about it is how he is reflecting upon how his obsession with creating movies and creating art through images completely warps his uh perception of his own family and how 
like that obsession completely like ruins and affects um his personal life so it's like kind of a not a hate letter to cinema at the same time but it's like a it's like it it, it is but it is a very a, common theme for a lot of like a lot of artists like great artists like in their later create like in their like in the later stages of their creative output is that they become sort of very maybe not cynical but sort of retrospective whether like the, because like one of the things that like often people say about art whether it's literature or uh, or cinema is that like it makes us more human and like a, a, a theme that oftentimes a lot of um artists in who are much older and have and had very long careers arrive at is that it actually makes them less human because they exactly. sort of dissect every single human interaction in terms of its artistic potential um that's kind of what the fablemans is about like and it like knowing that like both of spielberg's parents died recently obviously very old like they were both mm -hmm. in their like late 80s early 90s but like they died recently and it's Spielberg wanted to make this it's like seeing what's on screen it's, it's just like yes it's a coming of age movie but it's also like like you said like that reflection upon like okay how did my career and my path through finding out like that i love movies and i want to make a career out of them how did that affect my family my relationship with my parents not and not just that which like it's like the movie's very long it's like this big coming of age epic and like also how it affected uh my relationship with kids at school and just like, like with other people in general. just yeah in in, in in general with other people like what does this say about me that i wanted Remember that i that i like throughout my entire life in my childhood i looked at my family through this lens of like fictional wanting to fictionalize them Remember the poem that I showed you in London by Czesław Miłosz? The you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And there is a line there. I don't remember how it's translated, but it's like paraphrasing is that like the perfection of art, like the price for it is the inability to feel fully human, like to feel human fully. Like you pay with your own humanity to achieve the perfection of art, and I think that's yep. At least from what you're saying. That's, that's what like the, the fablesman is about, and I I don't like that it's being sold like if by a lot of people this is like oh it's just it's it's great it's just about like the power of movies and like wow a, a, a young spielberg the, discovering the power of the movie is so sad like it is but like basically like so, like look at what happened with fight club and american psycho yeah like, yeah talk exactly. about like, it's like a huge misinterpretation complete, of the films like, yes it it also is that like if you watch the movie you can't deny that it is like a very conventional coming of age story about like discovering your passion like and all that but like the most interesting aspects of it really are the relationship of sammy i guess an avatar for young spielberg and his relationship with his parents and how like the family like as he was growing up the family was falling apart and how mm -hmm. he reflected upon that and it's just like in how if you see the movie you you see that how his own passion for movies as a kid affect directly affected that and now for him to make a movie in his old age about that it's just adding it's just mind-boggling to me mm -hmm. and the fact that he could pull this off 
in a movie that's so moving and that's just not completely like it leave it to spielberg to, to make a crowd pleaser out of just incredibly dark and complex emotions like i don't know how he does it it's it's kind of insane um and like to like and that's both a ble- both a blessing and a curse and like david lynch is in the movie is like just one scene he, as an yeah, as an actor play, he he plays uh, Ford. yeah right? john ford he plays john ford um just one one scene but it is very telling that he wanted david lynch in the movie because there are two such different figures but in the sense that they are two sides of the same coin in the sense mm. that like they're... david lynch is also from a jewish family no 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 um okay. not that far <laughs> no 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 in the sense that like these are two guys that were able to transpose their own obsessions um, and very peculiar sensibilities to art and made a career out of them. And the, the difference is, and David Lynch says this in an interview, it's like, oh, Spielberg is like the luckiest man alive because he was able to be an author in a, an extremely commercialized uh, Hollywood landscape in from the 80s forwards and he's just lucky that the things he he's obsessed with and finds interesting is also with million uh, millions of other people mm-hmm. are obsessed with and my curse is that the things I am obsessed with and that I've wanted to put in my movies just like a couple thousand people maybe may relate to me so it's like in this, I think that's yeah. also true of taylor swift like because like the mm-hmm. things she's obsessed with are very sort of universally yeah annoying. yeah hence her universal appeal exactly exactly like these are like Spielberg and taylor swift are like two extremely like 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 two of the most popular artists in their own field to ever live and yeah. like most successful but like like also longevity yeah exactly but they are just like incredibly they're authors in the sense that they're just like a completely obsessed with like just like maybe four or five things in general and they just yeah. like as artists all they wanted to do is make art about it and it's just like they just they were just lucky that things that they are obsessed with Bum-bum. just are um incredibly popular and crowd-pleasing um yeah so like and so I, I found it really interesting that he cast David Lynch in the movie, just as a, in a small role, but the fact that he's in it, because they seem like two such different figures, but they are much more similar than you may realize at first upon reflection. And, like, um, and that's what kind of the movie is, is about, is Spielberg like, reflecting on his own obsessions, how that impacted his... Yes, that how that built his career, but how that impacted his personal life as well. Um, it's kind of an insane achievement, and I don't want to see it misconstrued as this like crowd. It is a crowd pleaser. It is very accessible, but also I don't want to see it misconstrued as this like love letter to cinema because no, it's just a very complicated rela- portrait of a relationship with an artist with his own art form. I think it can still be a love letter. I think the problem is that people misconstrue love as a very simple emotion. It's a very complex emotion. True. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so those are those are twenty twenty two movies I saw this month. Just general recommendations from last year that I did see last year. 
Uh, nope, I don't need to go that deep. We discussed it deeply on a past episode, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. Plus, it speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, my love, dad loved nope. it, by the way. My, um, awesome. My dad brought the DVD and watched it recently, and he loved it. And I was like, yes, watch us now. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like, I think it's extremely accessible. And, like, I think the majority of, pe- the majority of people that have seen it just loves it because it's just, like, such a fun blockbuster yeah. while also being very deep and thought-provoking and also it's um, just like well-edited thriller which doesn't it, happen often exactly and like it's 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 amazing it's just one of my favorite movies of last year if not my favorite and um I, it's incredibly confusing why he got shut down completely from the oscars you're so right not like, a single nomination not even not Texas. editing oh, no nothing Nothing. It's so bizarre because it's like one, uh, but like, a like previous also- Academy darling because of *We Get Out*. Two, a very accessible movie that people would like to go see. But I feel like three, maybe, but I very think- deep and thought provoking. But I-, I think with Oscars, like it's purely networking. Like you really have yeah. to campaign to get nominated. And I Obviously. feel like Jordan Peele is just like, you know what? Fuck that. I think like maybe he- because like that's why I think like sort of with time, Timmy. Is getting less and less nomination for oscars is because he doesn't bother with campaigning anymore you know yeah it, it's like it's just bizarre to me that like it didn't make it because it just seemed like such Did a shoe in to, to be any? a big i know dune was like two dune was, oh my god it's just it's just bizarre like that it didn't get that much to be to be honest because it i don't know it ticks all the boxes but what are you gonna do uh what yeah so do? nope was awesome maybe my favorite movie of last year um decision to leave which we mentioned already mm-hmm. um bizarre that it got shut out of nominations but i think i'm gonna go see it again next weekend because it's like i saw it originally sort of during the special screening and now it's like in, in like normal screening right now mm-hmm. it's happening so i feel like i'm gonna go rewatch it again because i the more time passed since i've seen it the more appreciation i have for it and i just want to rewatch it again it's i want just want to rewatch it not oh watch it again then it's both. it's such a fun thriller but also like it's also like a very like nuanced love story an insane an insane love story like just a great movie about like mutual obsession yeah it's 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 so entertaining it's so fun but also like the ending is incredibly haunting i love the ending yeah no it's, it's so good it's so good crazy like Park chan Wook went crazy in this one it's again it is it is funny it's a crowd pleaser but again it it's it's a very thought-provoking movie about like love and obsession yeah um and also just like as any pacton work production it just looks so fucking dope oh don't even get me started on like camera (laughs) the camera movements and the cinematography like what how did he pull off some of these shots like and the editing is unbelievable yeah um both on like once again zero nominations (laughs) crazy it's like the editing is so unbelievable in that movie because like um it's great in its like utilitarian aspect in the sense that it keeps the story moving in a very entertaining pace but mm. also there are individual cuts more in an artsier sense that are just like that haven't left my mind since oh speaking of editing moments i can't believe i forgot about this about after sun just a quick shout out um maybe my favorite movie movie moment in general in 20 like of movies that came out in 22 not to give too much away is that dissolve uh from when uh that yeah, destroyed me so oh, yeah. like 
when um Sophie and a bunch of people are like singing happy birthday to him and he's like um up and uh and, and you see that him from an elevated perspective like he's looking down and he's mm -hmm. like smiling and then it just like slowly dissolves into a shot of him like Being uh back naked hunchback yeah but naked yeah. hunchback and crying and that, like that that um juxtaposition that sort of um moment in editing last year of movies that came out last year i i've been going to think about that for a long time i think the entire story of the movie is told within those two shots and that transition and it's perfect it's unbelievable and also just like how meshkel's like acting with his back which is gonna sound weird but if you've seen that i know, you know I, I yeah yeah the way yeah, exactly exactly the, the the way he uses muscles and exactly exactly oh. and it's like it, it it's um you don't need to see his face for the emotion to be conveyed and also like uh, like since it's a dissolve like you see his back appearing on screen has like his um as his face from the previous shot is like sort of fading into the other and like that sort of composition i guess of him back there and hunchback like head low and him looking down it's just it's it's such an interesting and deep like that moment just made me cry like i don't like uh, one of my least favorite moments from 2022, though, since we're talking, we're talking about Paul Mashko, is the fact that he and Phoebe broke up. Apparently, I, I don't know. It's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's very embarrassed to be invested in a celebrity relationship, but I was, and if they end, if they broke up, well, that's really sad. <laughs> I was very sad when Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield broke up eons ago, and I'm still kind of sad about it today. It's just. They were cute together. I'm sad. Got it. Like I know that they're both like happy and like she ha is has a husband and a child now. Whatever. I'm still sad. It's. I I love TV and Paul together. Like I just the way he they met. I don't know. Like just. <laughs> okay, let's go back to movies. Uh, uh, is there anything else you quick, want to share? Yeah, out, just a, just quick mentions. Elvis. We did an episode, entire episode about it. Loved mm. it. Uh, other recommendations. Uh, Bones and All loved it. Ooh, I I wasn't sure because w w we both seen Bones and All when during hiatus, so we didn't have a chance to watch uh, to talk about it. But so if I saw your Letterbox review, which was a hard and Tumblr ass movie, <laughs> and so I couldn't oh, decide right, from right. this okay. whether you liked it or no. not because no, I no, loved no. it. I personally. loved it. Like the thing about my letterbox is very hard to tell when you like me. I like the movie or not because my my rating scale yeah. now is no heart, heart, and five stars. No, I yeah. I know I love Bones and all. That what a unique weird ass movie. And also, like I just like I am growing more and more fascinated with sort of lucas theme of the human body and carnality in general mm -hmm. sort of like the exploration of the body and but also i think it was just maybe i mean as we both know and as you like hear my tv recommendations i am obsessed with cannibalism and i'm very happy with the cannibalism renaissance we are witnessing right now in media <laughs> but i think cannibalism is such a potent theme to explore and bless you especially in sort of in the context of love because so much of like love language as it exists especially in sort of western languages is based on this like encroaching and like anthropophagic act anthropophagy is like a cannibalism of human beings by the way 
I had to like show off with my ability to call things <laughs> with academic words. Sorry. And it was <laughs> so it was just like so interesting and it worked so well and but at the same time it was so weird and I also love how like he wasn't afraid to be like gory and morbid with this film like the sound design of like the eating was just so disgusting and I loved this it. is like this has a tone that I don't think any other movie has or any other movie will ever have like it's so such a bizarre mixture of vibes and textures because it's like and I also love the the um how sort of again you have a lot of these like fading shots of like when one shot fades into the other so like you understand that these two people specifically Taylor Russell's character is kind of like the land itself and I also love how like in the, the spoiler alert um <laughs> in the last scene you have this like fade from like the final final act between Morin and Lee and then you have them like together like both bare chested like skin to skin like <sighs> um that movie is insane because it's like the tone of it is just like a mixture of you know a road movie in a very like um traditional americana way but wait accentuated by the the music on it but also a ya movie it is so ya like it i don't know if you get what i mean I mean, it's based on the way. No, it's based on the way. Okay, okay, that makes all the sense in the world because, like, <laughs> when I saw this movie, it's like this movie would be it, it, like if I was still on Tumblr, this movie was would probably be like the most popular thing. Like, cause it, it, it yeah. it's it's a why it's like it's giving like a YA romance between Timothy Chalamet's character and Taylor Russell's character. Um, it's like the. Yeah. But they also have like. Uh, I'm sorry to cut it, but like when I was watching the film, like I don't remember the last time when I was like watching and not Korean drama and was actually invested it's, in the it's, romance. It's, they pull it off so well. Like they are just like this, these very like basic expressions of like um, love for each other in terms of like a YA sense of just like them like. Um, it's us against pu- putting, the world. Yeah, it's like it's us against the world and like. It's they're both they 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 are like they um they hold hands and there's like these close ups of their heads touching and it's like incredibly like basic ass YA movie ass shit but with like yeah. the, everything going on in this movie I was like so actually genuinely invested in their romantic relationship. Bones and All is another Oscar snap. Completely. I mean, that's a way weirder movie than like Nope. In decision but like, to at leave, least for like s- sound of at least for sound editing for sure and um and also uh for best supporting actor because mark ryle what what was he doing he's so what? he was he so off the rails like oh my god he's top 10 crazy man performances of one all of time. the weirdest performances of all time it's he doesn't even like limit himself to be like this weirdo creepy guy he does not limit himself he, to doing that he goes way above doing, and beyond like the range of crazy mark tapped into it for this what one. the fuck is wrong Fantastic. with him for this performance like like okay so i laughed my ass off when uh you see him 
he, when him and Taylor Russell's character first meet, and like that's the first cannibal that Taylor Russell meets, and then like yeah. you see, she, like she wakes up, and all you see is like him eating a corpse, and like for some reason, my Mark Rylance decided like this old ass sixty year old man in a tank top decided to like arch his butt like he was like an Instagram model while he was like eating a corpse. Like what type of like acting choice is that like who does that <laughs> i think more people should do that like to me every he every single scene he made the correct decision it's, it's <laughs> no like, notes it's like a mixture of like a serial killer performance mixed with like the the pervy old man from family guy do you know who i'm referencing i'm telling you no note i'm telling you no notes it's it's no, no. incredibly bizarre, and along with Tom Hanks' performance in Elvis, I think those are two of the weirdest performances I've ever seen in my life, and I just have no notes to give on them. Like, Bones and All is insane. It's absolutely insane. It's I love the gore. Also, a very good soundtrack. It, also, I also uh, a, a friend of mine mentioned it. I also love that on some meta level, it's like an anti remake of Call Me by Your Name. In a sense, like. <laughs> especially when you think about that bonfire scene. like call me by your name is uh, a very beautiful movie about uh, a very warped and sick relationship and bones and all is a very warped and sick and disgusting movie about a very beautiful relationship it works sometimes um, okay let's move on because we're, we're running, running out of time. time okay uh quick rundown of more recommendations uh <laughs> Uh, these are more obscure Petite Maman by um, Celine Schiama, the French director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, uh, beautiful okay. children's movie. It's about, uh, it's live action, not animation, but it's for children. It's just 70 minutes. It's about um, this little girl whose grandma died and she is with her parents um, in like a house in the woods and she wanders off and she meets a version of her a younger version of her own mother so it's like sort of like time warpy that's in that way and it's beautiful it's probably the only movie that came out last year that made me cry it's beautiful uh I armageddon time like which is by um james gray it's essentially kind of just like the fablemans but a different less famous director um and uh smile which is one of my favorite horror movies of last year no notes absolute perfect garbage horror okay. movie i know notes and those are my <laughs> recommendations for movies that came out in 2022 so from my recommendations ones that haven't been note, uh, mentioned yet i really love prima facie i don't know if you've seen it it's a it's a oh, recording of a play a one okay. woman play with jodie comer that national theater released i was shaking when i left the cinema it's so good it's so powerful i think about it still go watch it jory comer is a force like amazing amazing and self-esteem also did original soundtrack mm -hmm. for the play everyone that has well. like a crazy rating on letterbox like obviously not many people saw it but like everyone who did see it loved it so it's like a 4.6 or something crazy I'm, I'm telling you, I, I was shaking. I had to, like, I decided instead of, like, taking the tram that I would walk home and I called my mom there on the way and, like, I talked to her about the play. I was, like, so... Because, like, 
so the, the, I, I don't want to spoil the experience but essentially like I love the cinema and I like was acutely aware that the law will not protect me <laughs> like and I it, 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 actually want to go watch it watch if you more, have um, um, uh, sort of filmed versions of plays sort of like yeah um, films made out I of I think National Theatre this would so be a great one to, the, to check out. Yeah, so the National Theatre has its own streaming platform that you can subscribe to, but it also has the option that you can just like sort of rent a mm-hmm. single play that you're interested in. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if it's available on the streaming platform yet, but probably will be soon, so you can, you know, highly, highly, highly it's recommend. It's awesome that you got to see this in the cinema, too. Yeah! Uh, uh, I was like, okay, let's go, let's go. Uh, even though the ticket was a bit expensive, fucking National Theatre. <laughs> Uh, then I really recommend Turning Red, uh, the Pixar film. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one actually. It's very cute, and I think especially sort of like girlies that have difficult relationship with their moms. It's like one of those films <laughs> that you watch. It. Um, another film in that area by Pixar is uh, Brave. Another one for girlies with difficult relationship with relationships with their mom growing up it, but it's just like it's a very cute animation and it's also like a very nice portrayal of like a an age and an age not just meaning like a period of life but like a stage of life you know like it, it's a very faithful representation of what it's like to be 12 and be a fan of a boy band and like have be weirded out by your body changing and also the animation is very nice so i forgot that I came recommend. out last year um but yeah yeah I, I, actually that one i missed that one uh, and I also recommend After Young. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh my god, I still haven't seen it. I forgot. I need to see After Young. Oh, my, hold up. I'm gonna download it immediately. Uh, I didn't love it as much as I loved Columbus, but Columbus is one of my favorite films of all time. But it's it's a beautiful film, and I really recommend it. And Mitski's also has a cover in After Young mm-hmm. of a Glitch, which is very it's a very good cover. I highly highly recommend the film. I. I can't believe it's on. I... Uh, you can watch it. It's on HBO, so you can use my. Oh, uh, you can use my account. I can't believe I, I I didn't check this one. I haven't checked this one out yet because I love Columbus as well. Like um, I would um watch anything that Kogonada does, and the fact that I haven't seen his actual film that he does after it, it's just just like feel like beating myself up because <laughs> it sounds great. I love Colin Farrell. I love Kogonada's previous movie. The, pre- the premise sounds great. Uh, yeah, I'm totally going to see this. Yeah, let me know what you think afterwards so we can discuss it. And uh, this is going to be controversial in this chat. Cha cha cha, real smooth. Oh, and I don't, I wouldn't say it's controversial. I also liked it. I didn't love it, but yeah. I liked it. Yeah, no, I think it's just like, I really like films that realistically portray like, the feeling of loss in your 20s that it's like, but you still are functioning even as you realize because there's like a lot of films that are like where it's like the feeling of being lost is just like overwhelming and self-destructive and then Chacha Real Smooth the main character he's like lost but at the same time he's still like a functional member of society and I think it's just a cute film Dakota Johnson is very good in it as well so uh, go check it out and I also really liked this Finnish horror film Hatching. I don't know if you've seen no, it. No, no, no. But I think it is on Filmin, the Portuguese streaming Ooh. service. So I will cool. check that out too. Not to spoil too much, but I think it's just like such a brilliant portrayal, portrayal why uh, YouTube families are 
so inherently toxic and problematic and horrifying. You, wait, what families? Uh, like YouTube families, you know. YouTube like, families? You know, when like parents do daily vlogs of their children and like their oh. family life. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are creepy as hell. Those are weird people. Yeah. So like uh, to give you a brief premise of what hatching is about, you have a Finnish like influencer family where the main influencer is the mom, but sort of every member of the family is part of her brand. And, but the sort of the star next to the mom is the older daughter. It's like the perfect daughter, mm-hmm. right? And she has like a very, very toxic, very narcissistic parent relationship with her mom. And then one day the daughter finds like this mysterious egg and she decides to serve as a form of rebellion to take care of this egg and then like things happen i won't spoil but it's a it's a very interesting horror film not necessarily in terms of like it being like a monster horror film because that's you know that's a common subgenre but like to see like the whole horror genre drawing attention to how inherently horrifying like influencer families are that to me was very interesting and i'm happy that a film was made about it so also i have not seen enough finnish movies so i will check just for that reason alone like sure let's go finland (laughs) let's go the the language is very funny (laughs) and uh, encanto which i watched three times and i cry every time oh right because i that's creepy yeah like encanto was like the very beginning of the year but it's just like i really love the film as a just like a story about family and how like there is no like big villain but like rather that sometimes our misguided actions of love end up causing the most hurt and that we have to be aware of that i think it's also like, a great film i mean i know i watched it with my cousins from like dublin and like i was like sobbing by the end of the film i can't watch encounter and not cry uh. <laughs> a fact <laughs> And I was like sobbing by the time we were. Have you watched Encanto? I haven't for one very simple reason. Not because it sounds bad, because like everyone that has seen it that I know, like liked it. Like literally everyone that has Mm -hmm. seen it liked it that I know. I know you just don't want you hate Lin Miranda. I do not like the songs at all. I'm sorry. Like I don't think I could get past that because the songs are extremely popular and like I don't like a single one of them. I can't stand them. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, I do respect the songs because, like, a lot of <coughs> the songs, bless you, a lot of the songs draw from like traditional genres from Colombia. So, like, a lot of them are like inspired by reggaeton, for example. I know. Reggaeton yeah, is like, yeah. N- it's yeah, not conceptually. Like, I like the idea. I like like the idea of the songs, and like mm-hmm. like even without seeing the film, like like the way the lyrics. Like, okay, I can see this. Where I can see this tying nicely into like uh, uh the the plot of the movie um and like it's 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 cool to see a musical uh, like sort of importing influences from like a different south american genres that's pretty cool that's unusual for mm-hmm. a big disney movie but also i just don't like the vocals and the rapping i can't do it like, it's just it's a lin okay, no. miranda thing like in general yeah but but i think you like the music from in the heights right um or no there it's it's for, uh, from from like Hamilton in the Heights out of Hamilton in the Heights and Encanto um those are the songs that I like the most cuz they're just like the most catchy and like traditionally like musically 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those were okay. I had no issue with. I had no big beef with in okay. the heights. It, yeah, no, yeah. It's just like yeah. when it's more when Lin Manuel Miranda gets in his hip hop bag. It's just like in the character start. Ra- no, yeah. I can't do it. No, I really, I, I really think like he his best songs are usually where he does like i think the best song in songs in hamilton are for example the skylar sisters which is just a classic r&b and i think it works a lot better than the rap rapping songs and similarly within the heights i think the songs like brief or patience if are a lot better than the songs that have like bigger rap sections which again like mm-hmm. you know his style his choices like whatever but i think at the end of the day the vocal vocal harmonies and vocal melodies that he writes are just better. yeah it's like when it's it's like it's it, when when it comes down to the whole like thing about like ooh, i'm rapping in a very fast and quirky way and i'm doing lots of rhymes about very deep things but it's like it's just it just comes off as so corny to me. I don't. I don't know how else to like. It's just this barrier. It's all it is. It's just no. from it, that's probably keeping me from enjoying probably a perfectly fine and cute animated movie. That yeah. It, it it's it's very it's very cute. It's very fun. I really like it. But no, what I was saying is that um, server so was watching with my cousins who are for context eleven and six, and I was like. Pah! Niagara Falls I was like crying and they were like why are you crying it's like it's a fun film and I'm like yeah you'll know so yeah those are all the films uh, and now let's talk about my domain which are tv shows oh wait I do want to mention a few films that are not from 2022 that I've watched oh, for the first God. time in 2022 I don't I'm scared to even get into please that. <laughs> Okay, so I, I will start because mine will be a lot shorter. So uh, I watched Jin Ra, the, the Japanese animated film with my brother right before New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So it still counts as 2022. Loved it. It's very good. Um, I do want to give a shout out to like this like random rom-com on Amazon Prime with Zoe Deutsch, something from Tiffany. It's very cute. It's, I don't know. It's like, it's a cute rom-com. Zoe Deutsch and rom-coms I, usually work. Yeah, she's a she's a good rom com girl, uh, girl, girly. Uh, what else? I I watched Eyes Wide Shot for the first time in twenty twenty two. Loved it. Whole um, episode about that. Whole episode exactly. Uh, I watched The Girl Walks Home Alone mm-hmm. at Night for the first time in twenty twenty two. Also loved it. I watched Pink Flamingos. Sick. Uh, loved it and hated it. I still think about the fucking dog oh shit eating scene. <laughs> Um, I watched uh, In the Mood for Love in cinema. Uh, oh, was that your fantastic. first time watching it? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's... I don't need... Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. And I watched uh, Lingui, the Chad <laughs> film that I told you Yes, about. a movie from the country of Chad in Africa that I thought had Chad Michael Murray in it. <laughs> and... Um, what already we were talking about so the Gregory Act films uh, and 
also uh, a Netflix film that I recommend. It's an adaptation of a novel that I really like, Vanilla Larson Passing, directed by Rebecca Hall. It's a good adaptation. Oh, I, recommend I missed it. that one last year, but I wanted to, to check that out. It's a, it's a very cool film. And especially, I, I recommend reading the book as well, especially since it's very short. But if you prefer to watch the film, the film is a very faithful adaptation. And uh, Tessa Thompson is very good in it. So, yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, movies from other years that I've well, I watched. I think this is twenty twenty two was the year that I watched the least movies, but I still have. I I guess, but it was also the the year that I was most picky with with which movies I watched. So I ended mm-hmm. up loving way more movies than probably other years. So my actual list would be very long. But <clears throat> just just a quick shout out, just scrolling through Letterboxd. Um. Uh, Femme Fatale by Brian De Palma is insane and deranged. Um, it's uh, like this sort of um, incredibly cheesy early 2000s Hollywood thriller that's completely bolster- bolstered by unbelievably deranged visuals. And um, yeah, it's about it is it's it's like about like it's a double identity like heist thing mind but be- yeah it's it's very hollywoody like brian de palma's movies usually are it's like very um reminiscent of hitchcock but it's insane and then watching it the cinematech was so much fun uh so uh femme fatale from 2002 uh oh boy okay uh the tenet by uh roman polanski unbelievable movie moving on uh, like Roman Polanski is like so hard because like he's a he goes hard when he's directing films, but at the same time terrible. Oh my person. god, the tenant is so amazing. Anyway, uh, um, <laughs> like it's even worse because he's the main character in the movie as well. Anyway, uh, in the cut by uh, directed by um, Jane Campion, I watched for the first time this year, and. It might be my favorite of her filmography that I have seen. Um, it's um, I, it's a weird comparison, but like Variety, which you saw, which is one of my favorite movies. It's mm-hmm. a little, it reminded me uh, in ways of that movie. Um, but it's much more obvious. It's much more about murder because it's surrounding like a bunch of murders that happen in the vicinity of the main character played by Meg Ryan. It's cool. uh, fascinating. Uh, great thriller. Um, what else? Working Girls, which is a movie, an independent movie from the 80s set in New York about... Selena Gomez is going to produce the remake. Uh, who's going to produce the remake? Selena Gomez. Wait, 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 wait. Are we talking about the same movie? <laughs> Yeah, the one about her f- with uh, Senor Weaver. Uh, no, uh, Wait. Selena right? Gomez? Yeah. like. Wait, yeah. I'm talking about a movie. About like an assistant who's working for a psychopathic no, boss. Sorry. and like she. Oh, Working oh. Girl. Okay. Oh, I haven't seen that movie. Yo, no, this is Working Girls. Oh, God. Uh, this is, this is a, an independent movie made in the 80s in New York about... Um, sort of uh it's it's about like sex sex workers and it's uh uh 
it's very funny it's like very light-hearted uh a portrayal of like it's like a a, a workplace comedy drama uh between mm-hmm. like the relationships between like a group of sex workers that work in this particularly particular house found it very sweet and moving um which is why i'm so, so surprised that selena gomez was involved in a remake from Sorry. an independent movie in the 80s it's only it's the same decade and the, the only difference is one letter i'm sorry no it's okay it's just very confused for a moment this is my chad so like you were confused by a chad i was confused by a letter <laughs> uh clooney brown uh that's c-l-u-n-y um i guess a girl's name because it's uh it's a a comedy from the 40s it's probably like the sweetest and funniest movie one of the sweetest and funniest movies i saw last year um it's about a clumsy girl who is a plumber um uh also oh god so many um okay i think we have to move on i'm sorry pedro you just watched so many films we still have music and tv to tackle oh my god okay i'm okay so for the tv i will just give you the best shows that came out this year uh in my humble opinion uh but they're also the shows that people talk about the most so yellow jackets uh the first season the bear uh the white daughter season two minx and the sandman I will. I need to check out the White Lotus. There's no excuses anymore. I'm so the obsessed that, with the theme song. The fact that you haven't seen Succession and the White Lotus, so like, what are you doing? It's so embarrassing. Those are like two, two TV shows that like film people love. I know. It's, like it's so embarrassing. Film people's TV shows. Do I actually think I will love those. Absolutely. I feel like you should also watch The Bear. I feel like you also the, love bear, the Bear. Yeah. That's that. That one's yeah. about the the cooking, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Yeah. I think about TV shows like, well, showing my ass here. I think my favorite TV show I saw this year was American Horror Story Hotel. <laughs> we did a whole episode about. But no, uh, I would like to give a shout out to Euphoria season two, right in the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. I completely uh, forgot it was in the same year. Which um, gets a lot of hate, and I understand, but I still loved because it, it just went. Um, into much more cookier and melodramatic directions in season one, and I really loved those elements of about it. I cannot wait for season three. It was uh, I had so much fun watching that season. And I think also like when I think back on that season, sort of as a whole season, a lot of decisions which like felt ridiculous in individual episodes work a little bit better within the context of the whole season and the arcs. Not to give Sam Levinson's too much credit, but like... Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I guess that's... Uh, I have, like, current TV show, which I watch embarrassingly little. Uh, I had so much fun keeping up with those. Plus, like, it, it, much, it went into much more melodramatic and zanier directions, which I had so much fun with. But also, like, also very good character moments as well. Like, I... Um, I loved Fez's development in this season. I loved Lexi this season. Le- like... Lexi this season was definitely a highlight. Not as, uh, Cassie was like very campy and zany but, like, at times, but also it also makes sense because like, makes sense. She was, yeah, she was like just so manic, and like the the show is like purposefully heightened. Everything is heightened, and also like 
it, it makes sense and like i think sydney like props to her for that performance i think you know uh n- she sort of perfectly balanced camp mm-hmm. and seriousness within that performance like real pain and like camping camp like campy over dramaticism which i think also like works because a lot of the time when people go like through like manic episodes or like psychological breakdowns like it looks ridiculous to people outside at points so like mm-hmm. it, it works i think no it's a great performance like you said like ba- completely balancing like actually deep character work with melodramatic overacting loved it um i completely forgot that before it was technically last year I, time is it fair. is it was right in the beginning <laughs> it was january yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah, like out of current shows, this, that, that was probably the one I had the most fun with keeping up with. Yeah. Um, and I'm very excited about The Idol. I don't know how it's going to be like, but um, I'm extremely also, curious. It could go either way. It could be extremely yeah. awful. Like It's like with Sam Levinson in general. It could be extremely awful, or it can be extremely entertaining. So... We'll see. We shall see. Is there any date? Or not yet? Because, like, it was supposed to come out in January, like, right now. But it got pushed back. But I think that HBO revealed it's going to be this year. I think it's kind of confirmed, more or less, that it's this year. So I'm curious. Okay. Uh, Yellow Jacket's coming back for season two in March. So get on that horse Okay, okay. Writing it down. Promise to myself. I will. Okay. Succession. Coming out in April, I will be keeping up with it because it okay. sounds fun. White Lotus. We can do like a rewatch of Succession before together. If White you want. Lotus, I, uh... Yellow Jackets. Okay, I want to be part of the conversation about these HBO shows. Like I'm done. And I'm done being bear. left feeling left out. <laughs> the Bear and the Bear. <laughs> I will prioritize Succession and Yellow Jackets because those are coming back soon, and I enjoy yeah. keeping up with those shows. Okay, because I had so yes, much fun exactly. doing that with Euphoria. But yeah. yeah, yeah the- as, as like in terms of tv shows it's like i mean i've, I've like watched a bunch of shit but I, I, like this episode is gonna be already two hours long so yeah yeah like in terms of listen TV to shows, other episodes for like things that i watch <laughs> <laughs> no you, you mentioned you your highlights you mentioned your highlights yeah. um like yeah a part of euphoria season two um i watched wrestling that's a tv show and also, uh, I had fun watching more Riverdale. That's it. Okay, let's go to music. So with music, I didn't know what to do because there's just so many. I listened to so much shit. So I just like wrote down the favorite playlist that I made last year. Oh, you made the favorites of 2022 playlist? No, I made, like, I wrote down which playlist I made oh, last year okay, okay. were my favorite ones. Uh, but we can talk sort of about like the big albums of mm-hmm. last year. So I don't think we need to talk about Midnight's. Like I think everybody knows how we feel about Midnight's. I mean, to be fair, our entire like thirty minute discussion of Midnight's was on the Scooby Doo episode. Oh no! So it's lost in time. But uh... spoiler, we loved it. It's great. <laughs> Uh, would have, could have, should have, and um, Sweet Nothing are now my favorite tracks. Updated version. Updated version. People don't know what was the original version, so this is gonna just be the original version. I, I think my favorites are the same as in the lost footage, so... Okay, moving on. SZA came back. Great album. 
great album i was also like because like i'm not i feel like everybody loves SZA and like to me SZA is okay like i struggle a lot with sort of more independent rbnb because a lot of rbnb you did it again (laughs) you did it again rnb you did it again (laughs) some things just stay the same my brain is forever miswired like um, the same way a lot of people sort of complain about like independent folk scene that like oh every song sounds like very similar which i personally like i don't i I don't get that criticism i have that reaction with a lot of independent r&b let's go but like i listen to this album and like oh the songs are good but like it's with a lot of songs it's like very hard for me to tell them apart they like sound similar to me but what i really liked in this album is that there were also songs that like sounded completely different than her usual song mm-hmm. like especially like mm-hmm. um f to f, f, to f like, so catchy so fun came out of nowhere came out of nowhere i love it so much um, so i yeah i think what she did so well in the album and again i'm a fan like i i um i love control i think that's a, an amazing r&b album um many songs that i think are gonna go down as classics on on that album but also what I think I, I what I think she did so well in this album is um, not as coherent and consistent thematically uh, um, as control and stylistically. But what she did well so well here was diversify her sound, like you said, yeah, and just go into completely different um, unexpected directions. There are like songs in here that are just pure hip hop. There are there's F to F, which is just like this very pop rock. Pop, almost like sound. emo punk exactly sound, it's yeah. and she pulled it off so well and she's such a versatile performer that um yeah. works out perfectly uh ghost in the machine featuring phoebe bridgers is probably my favorite track and, and um not just because it features phoebe uh but also because um it like it's so so like sonically it was so much more i guess experimental um a much more experimental side uh for SZA to explore like that song sounds nothing like any of her other songs um so I really appreciate that well yeah what I really appreciated about SOS um which is also one of my favorite albums of the year uh was that it um really diversified her sound and showcased her versatility yeah I also really like the new Always album Blu-ray I haven't listened um, to it yet but gotta check it's it very... out it's very it's very mid twenties. You don't know what to do with your life crisis. I I, I do like. Uh, uh, I don't listen to them that often, but I like their previous albums. They're quite a funny. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're a vibe. Uh, what else? Uh, what else did I like this year? I'm scrolling for my album. Oh, the new Arctic Monkeys. I love the car. I think it's the press album. I gotta be honest. Sue me. I gotta be honest. Sue me. Sue me. I listened to it yeah. once and dozed off. I I don't think it was for me. I I mean one of the things I really respect about the monkeys is that like they do something different with each other. That's album. true. So like like and I respect that because like they really want to like each album to serve on some level exist on its own, both sonically and lyrically. Mm-hmm. So I think it's natural that like the individual listeners with their individual preferences will prefer individual projects from them mm-hmm. right but like when it comes to my preferences it was like that's the album of theirs that like speaks to my preferences the most um 
I I respect that they are the kind of rock band that unlike rock bands that are approaching like 20 years of career they just don't like become lazy and just settle into a sound and just like shit out increasingly commercial albums like many rock bands past their 20 year point of their career do Mm-hmm. They're much more adventurous, and I respect that. It's just this particular direction just wasn't for me. Um, I yeah yeah like... I I I was I like the the first song. I actually like the first song. That's the only one I came back to, but as a complete experience, it is just very monotone. I think Alex's voice turned me off from it more because it's more adventurous instrumentally, and I respect that. But like. Alex's delivery here of his like very like complicated poetic lyrics just like didn't accentuate the lyrics and putting them on the forefront did the opposite effect of what it should be in the sense that instead of me paying more attention to them I with Mm -hmm. Alex's delivery it just made me doze off more from the album than it would otherwise okay mm-hmm. fair um, i have that somehow i feel i feel like i shouldn't say that because people will kill me on the internet but i have that with SZA. like i can't read like sometimes like i listen to her singing it's like you have a very nice way of singing but like the way you sing your lyrics like just blurs the words into the sounds to yeah the, the whole like um i get what you mean i personally love it but it's like i get what you mean but it's like just like very um how can i describe it it's just like no 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 just like it, it it's like all in it's like when you're writing it's a very dumb metaphor it's like when you're writing it's like if you're writing on paper on an entire page and you don't lift your pen or pencil mm-hmm. it's just like it has that same thing it just keeps going and going and going yeah um it's just, and i get what you mean yeah like melodically yeah. it just goes all over the place yeah yeah and then we had the new carly ray jepson album which solid album not as good mm-hmm. as the previous mm-hmm. two but no complaints carly... some some like i i agree it's not as good as emotion dedicated but i still loved it and it just kind of proves that she can do no wrong when it comes to pop music like yeah. i respect that she tried different things in this album but also gave us like typical carly ray jepsen bangers like talking to yourself and surrender my heart which are absolute anthems solid entry in the discography Uh then there's the new 1975 album which i still haven't listened to (laughs) (laughs) i listened to it and it's maybe my least favorite one i gotta be honest it's the most acclaimed one it's my least favorite one Okay. Uh, uh, then yeah. we had Grapevine by Ways Blood. I don't know if you listened Not, to uh, it. I um I haven't checked out the new album yet. Okay, it's very good. Then we had New Tablo album, very good as well. Dirty Femme. I don't know if you listened to it. Not yet. But... Those albums that came out later in the year, apart from SZA, which I made um like I made like almost appointment listening. Okay, new SZA album time to get in that zone mm. like those albums that came out later in the year like uh, november december since i was working so much i just like threw blew past me and i gotta catch up with those yeah so to me uh, i oh wait you don't know who tamina is so we can just move on i'm trying to focus on like music that we both were excited about 
uh, last year. Hold the Girl by Rina. Fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's my. It's Fantastic not my favorite thing. She's really. I think in terms of like when you compare her EP and her LP and her singles, like yeah. it's my least favorite one, but it's still. Very fun. I mean, I like how she's again. She's branching out. She's trying new genres. She's trying mm-hmm, new mm-hmm. things. Very adventurous for sure. Repeating. Yeah. So love that. I think my favorite song is like "Send My Love to John" because it's just so beautiful and makes me cry every time. And then Def Cup for Cutie came back. I know uh, the only person that I care, the, the only person that cares about it is me. But Asphalt Meadows is a very good album. I think it's their best album since. Cross Atlanticism. So I will um, write down always Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, Asphalt Meadows. Asphalt. Ah, and okay, you the new one. The new one, okay. yeah. Yeah. Then Rosalia Motomami. Absolutely. I mean, we would have gotten to her with me anyway, but like, I think that's my favorite album. Yeah. Of the year. What? Do you... Okay, so I'm so confused because she just dropped a song mm-hmm. yesterday, which bangs. <laughs> But like, is it a new era? Like, what is going on? Do you know anything? I don't think it's a new era. I just like kind of like previous. Like, I think she just likes dropping a bunch of singles. Um, okay. but yeah, that was probably my favorite album last year. I think we went deeper on it when it came out on an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about it and Crash from True, Tony. True. Um, and yeah, those, that was my favorite album. I, I, it just, it was then. It still is now my favorite album that came out last year. Hentai is the song of the year and the song of the life. I think my favorite song. I mean, I love the lead single La Fama. It's just like I'm obsessed Total pop with banger it for, for sure. Uh, but I think my favorite song is the uh, Lira de mm-hmm, Cardoza. Mm-hmm. Like I love every. Oh, cute! Oh, I, there's banger after banger. I, can't I, choose, I love sorry. every track on that album in its own right. Uh, Hentai is my favorite. I, that's for sure. If I had to pick, like, what's the best song for me that came out in the 2020 so far, I would pick Hentai. It is perfect. It is everything I want in a song. It is gorgeous, and it makes me, like, emotional every time I listen to it. But also, unbelievably funny. It's so funny. Like, the lyrics, the the entire tone of the song, I've never heard another song like it. Like, this incredibly, like, beautiful like just like um heartbreaking sounding ballad mixed with like incredibly funny and absurd sort of like horny lyrics it was just a mixture that like i'd never heard an artist do and she pulled it off so well because it's like the emotional the emotion conveyed in the instrumental uh and with her voice mixed with like how like deeply lovesick and horny is she is on the song to an absurd level just makes it like such a such a like a unique mix and like um i saw her live by the way um in november uh and Ooh. she was incredible she performed every song on on the album like like the the songs that did stand out like the Liga de grandeza um mm. The songs that stood out more in the concert as well were like the more the more traditional songs, because like, um, think, yeah. Whenever she does like very like flamenco mm-hmm. based songs, I feel like those translate so well live. Live, it was unbelievable because like the the bangers were fun, 
uh, like with mm-hmm. the dancers and everything and the costumes and, and, and the whole show around it was so much fun. But then the whole aspect of her that's like more traditional um, was uncr- like gained a new appreciation for it, both in Motomami and her previous records live, seeing her live. And I think she's like one of the most creative artists, Super King today, mixing just futuristic ideas and a sense of humor with traditional elements and yeah she's a genius love her then an album that i think no one but me cares about by the third album by julia jacqueline pre-pleasure i also have that on my list to to check out good good and then what else what else what else what else um i'm trying to like focus only on things that came out i can't uh, like, I can't believe you still I don't know if, haven't mentioned one, but if you won't, I will. No, I am getting there because I'm going like from oh, my okay, Spotify. Okay. So like I, um, I really recommend. There's like this um anthology, I guess, compilation album called Ocean Child. We have a bunch of artists doing covers of Yoko Ono songs. Ooh. So we have Sharon Van Etten, okay. they've got for Cutie. Uh, Jason, uh, Dear Hoof, We Are King. Like, there's a bunch of art, uh, Japanese. Wow, rappers. I didn't know about this. Y- that sounds Tango. great. Very good album. Very good album. I wow, recommend. okay. And I love the new Soccer Mommy mm-hmm. album. So, so I saw her live um, when I was in Berlin. She was just like down. Like, oh, yeah, you she told was me, just like, like, uh, like in literally probably in the same street where I was staying. So I just went down. The ticket was cheap. Cool. It was fun. Like, I. Um, like I had listened to the new album that same week to prepare for it. L- listening to the songs live was fun. It was a fun time, and um, yeah. yeah, it's probably my favorite album she's dropped so far. Yeah, and then we have Renaissance by Beyonce, also a very good album, very fun. Uh, I love the single Charlie did for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Even though I didn't really like the film so much, but Hot Girl, banger, classic. Uh, I really like the Big Moon new album, but then again, I. Don't think anybody but me cares. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to my favorite album of the year, which I think you probably know. Which I, I mean, I was gonna say, I was surprised you hadn't mentioned yet. No, it's like the, you know, the icing on, on the cake. I really like Sabrina Carpenter's album Emails I Can Send. I think it's like a very, for like an artist that was like relatively long, has been relatively long in the industry since she's a, you know, childhood star. It felt like a reinvention for her. It's a solid album. I recommend. Wolf Alice came out last two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, I like the new Moon album. New Moon album was awesome. I was also going to mention that. Just a very fun, joyous sounding album with very good lyrics. Just great pop music all around. And I'm glad that she is that they are signed to um to so phoebe bridges and gaining more of a platform silk chiffon is one of the best songs of the decade so far yeah i like the new florence and the machine album very much i think it's one of my favorites from them dance fever uh i like the new arcade fire album we as well and not my favorite i think my favorite still is the uh the suburbs yeah like the new the new stuff doesn't to me doesn't yeah. hold a candle to their classics yeah i mean it's yeah, still yeah, yeah. good it's just not as good 
I'm trying to see if there's anything else that I liked from last year until we get to my favorite thing from last year. I don't think there is anything else. Oh, wet lag! Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love their debut album. I'm very excited to see what else they'll do. I really rec- if, if you haven't listened to the album yet, I really recommend starting with their Tiny Desk performance because I think it's like a good introduction to their sound and to their... Uh, I th- yeah. We... I think they have. I didn't listen to the yes. full album, uh, just a few singles. Mm-hmm. It's. I'm not sure it's a hundred percent my thing, but I will say because I saw you live performances of them. Uh, they have yeah. impeccable vibes. They are so much fun. Like the way they interact with each other, like as they're performing, it's very funny. It, like it, that was very infectious. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we can go to the best thing. Which is, of course, Laura Hell by Mitski. <laughs> yeah, I would also have that on my on my list for sure. Uh, it's like, it's strange to me that um, longtime fans see this as one of her, like, longtime fans see this as maybe her worst album. Oh, and for Dawn FM as well. Jesus, that was like January, but it was twenty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, one of those, like Euphoria Season 2, one of those things that came out in January that doesn't fully feel like 2022. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, I feel like longtime Mitski fans feel that it's one of her worst albums, just because it's how much popular it is, I guess. But also... Like, to me, that's, again, like, because, like, I think that's strange to me, because a lot of longtime fans forget that she... Like, her first two albums are very much piano-based. Like, mm-hmm. it's only from... Um, Meet me at Maythorpe Creek. That like we have a more guitar-focused sound. So this, to me, in many ways, is like a return because it is again keys-based, piano-based sound. It's just like it's more eighties, more synths. But like, what I love about Mitski is that like each album, I can tell that she like she has like specific things that she has to like work through with each album right so like puberty too it's like that mid-20s like what do i do next like what do i do now that i've established be the cowboy is like very sort of to me about like the dynamics of 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 a certain relationship you can either interpret it as a sort of her relationship with a person or her relationship with music but Mm -hmm. role hell is like very clearly her relationship with her own fame that she's trying to work through yeah and it makes so much sense to me that she went into a popular sound Mm -hmm. exactly explore that it's just exactly it's like i think with with people um i've i've heard criticisms like they don't like how the the production sound like how the synth sound and i guess that's fine that's just strictly like an yeah. aesthetic level um but like i don't understand the poppy criticism because like it's exactly that's exactly the point um working for the night i think is one of my favorite songs of all time not just from her it's just like i relate to working for some reason even though i'm not like a famous person but like working to the night just like speaks to me at such a like primal level it's i and also, like, like um, because we both went to the show for this tour, uh, Love Me More is such an amazing opener. I can... So good. Um, like, uh, it's, again, with, like, the popular direction, like, it's exactly what she wanted to say. And, like, in terms of, like, in terms of, like, pop bangers, like, The Only Heartbreaker and Love Me More, those are not just 
absolute pop smashes, just like so much fun, endlessly replayable. But also like it, yeah, it live they just hit different, just um great like uh 80s sounding pop bangers. But also like what makes those songs so good and among my favorites of the entire year mm-hmm. was that was that like um it's just like how the lyrics tie into the whole the entire concept of her dealing with her own relationship with her own career yeah uh and especially the only heartbreaker which again like some of the songs on be the cowboy could work perfectly as like a relationship song and it's yeah. so engaging in that sense but when you think about I also it in love terms of music should have should have been me again a great example it works both as a relationship song exactly. but also as a her reflecting on her career and ex- like space within the pop industry exactly it's such a like a fun it's like her f- most fun album to me but also doesn't, love doesn't the cover. relinquish doesn't I love the cover so much Sorry. same and doesn't relinquish like any of the depth of her lyricism that she's established that she's known for so it's again one of my favorite uh, favorites of the year. I also really love uh, Heat Lightning. That's a like, great slower moment on it. Yeah. No, I love Heat Lightning. I also love. Uh, I guess. I guess. This. I guess this is the end. Uh, there's nothing left for me. Is also one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah, I, I I love the whole album and it's like so well engineered. I think it's like works so well. Everything. Also, I love everyone. It's like uh, everyone. Everyone told me not to go that way, but of course I went anyway. It's like what. Perfect, perfect. Like, listen, Mitski to me, she can do no wrong. Like, I trust her implicitly. Anything she decides to do works. I love every album by her. My favorite yeah. album of twenty twenty two, Lord of Hell. I think it's also. I mean, I, I think Puberty Two, and Laurel Hell are my favorite albums, and because I think they're sort of better in terms of quality, but on some level they speak to me more. But then I also love retired from sad new Korean business and bury me at makeup. Pre- I don't know. <laughs> I just it just proves that she can do no wrong to me, honestly. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. also some of my favorite. One of my favorites. Uh, you mentioned two of my favorites. Maybe my two favorites: uh, Laurel Hill and yeah. Motomami. Maybe the two that I listen to the most. So, like, just to give a shout out that, to an album that like kind of snuck up on me, and I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much as i did or like listen to as much as i did this year which was uh beatopia by biba doobie it's a good album yeah i hate her name (laughs) i hate her name so much i can never remember it it's so stupid i got i got used to it i got used to it already but i definitely get what you mean it's like it's just yeah like oh i'm biba doobie i'm so quirky (laughs) Be please change your name. <laughs> um, but like I, I, I loved her album. Like again, she's not an artist I was particularly a fan of before, but like I listened to this like, oh, this is cute, and then I started going, going back to it, going back to it, and um, I think it's like for sure her like most like complex album. Yeah, I mean, but she's also a very young. Woman. Yeah, she's exactly. 20, 21, so like, I'm very excited for like her career in general. Like, I think she's super talented. Like, um, I think for such a young artist, like she shows she shows, um, a lot great 
first of all, great taste in like rock production um, from pulling from all sorts of different directions, like 90s alt rock, more singer songwriter based. Like she pulls from a lot of different influences, which is something I really enjoyed and shows a lot of like taste and vision for such a young artist. Um, just, and again, incredibly catchy, fun rock song, rock songs like 1036 uh talk um pictures of pictures of us as well uh which is co-written by matthew healy and like you can you can kind of tell but like the fact that in terms of the instrumental but like with uh bia's lyrics and it just it was just a perfect marriage um Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a, a really pleasant surprise that album was. And uh, I guess in terms of albums, uh, you also mentioned Don FM, another win for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I guess in terms of albums, that was also kind of kind of it. Uh, individual songs outside of albums that I would like to shout out. Also as well, uh, Sidelines, Phoebe released a single that I love. Yeah. Very like, just, I guess her like most, um, I think her best love song, I guess. It's such a beautiful song. And it's so sad that they broke up. I know, I know, I know. It's yeah, I know. <laughs> um, maybe like my non-Rosalia favorite song of the year was "American Teenager" by Ethel Kane, which is kind of blowing up mm. lately. Unbelievable song! Like it has all of the catchy qualities of like a classic Taylor Swift single. And yeah. like an anthem, that type of anthemic sound, but the lyrics are incredible and dark and funny, and oh yeah, the album in general was very good. I forgot to. Mention. I think Ethel Kane is so talented. Like and have you listened to that sort of? Um, she Ethel came up during one of the Florence and the Machine mm-hmm. performance, and they did uh, a, like the uh, they did Elvis song together from from Florence. Album. Yeah, and the, like the fact that Ethel was like a a, a Florence and the Machine stan growing mm-hmm. up, so that was really endearing. I think Ethel Kane is like, like the future. Like she is so talented. Yeah, and so much ambition and such a particular aesthetic vision for yeah. what she for for where she wants mm-hmm. to take her music in. And like American Teacher mm-hmm. is for sure her most popular song, but like the including the the music video which is one of my favorite music videos of the year like that the marriage of the music video and the lyrics and the, the anthemic rock poppy sound was um mm. genius just a perfect marriage um and yeah i guess in terms of music that's that's kind of it i sort of you have to um like we have to wrap it up but before we write I can't speak anymore. Uh, what are the things that you're most excited for this year in terms of mm-hmm. music, films, TV shows, books? Uh, good question to, to sort of bring us to the new year. I'm very excited for the for the new Paramore album because I've been loving all of the singles. That's well, that's for sure one. I'm so hyped for the new Caroline Polachek album. The singles, once again, amazing. Um, when is it February. Um, so okay. it's very close. I think she again. She's an absolute genius, and I cannot wait to hear anything she does because the singles were perfect. Like 
billions welcome to my island mm-hmm. um perfect songs uh in terms of music those are in the immediate future those are two the new lana as well that's dropping um mm-hmm. i'm excited for taylor's versions wherever they might whenever they might drop i feel like I feel like Speak Now is coming this year. There's too many clues in the for videos sure, from Speak Now for sure. this year. Probably soon as well. Um, and yeah. in- I wouldn't be surprised if she's like surprised drops it on like February, Valentine's Day. Like, I was like, thinking that as well. Because, uh, yeah. And in terms of movies, I'm like I said, I was, I'm very excited to see the two wrestler biopics that are going to be dropping. Um, I'm excited for the Martin Scorsese film, The Killer, The Killers of of the Flower Moon. Yeah, obviously as well, and uh, the two Barbie, Barbie as well. <laughs> I have no idea how that's going to turn out, but I'm curious, extremely curious. Um, and I'm excited for the new Ghibli film as well that's coming out this year. New uh, Miyazaki. It's a new Miyazaki. Film, that's it... true. Yeah, God, yeah. and yeah, the two wrestler biopics, the Von Eric, about the Von Eric family which I mentioned mm-hmm. before, um, director's good, cast is good, story is unbelievably complicated and heartbreaking, has all the makings for it to be great, um, even outside of me being a wrestling person. And um, mm-hmm. uh, there's, I don't know how, when this is going to come out, if this is going to come out this year, but it was announced that um, the actor, I think he's Mexican, Gael Garcia Bernal, uh, he's mm-hmm. going to play Cassandro the Exotico, who is a, um, a gay luchador, a gay Mexican wrestler. It's going to be a bio- biopic mm-hmm. about him, and that sounds very good. Cool. From TV shows, I'm excited for the mini series uh, based on that like book that everybody on TikTok loves, which is uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, because mm-hmm. it looks interesting and I really like Riley Q, uh, who stars in it. I'm Obviously, I'm excited for Succession to come back. Mm-hmm. For the second season of The Bear, the second season of The Yellow Jackets. Uh, but I'm trying to think of like new, ex- like exciting new seasons, like n- new things that will be coming out this year. Um, the, the new Natasha um, Poker Face looks interesting. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks interesting. I don't know if you've heard about it. But it's like a um, uh, great casting making her a detective. Yeah, with Natasha Leon playing the, the main character. Uh, so I'm excited about that. True, cool. I'm excited for Ted Lasso to come back. Uh, for the final season, what else is there? TV is like tricky because like <laughs> there's like a lot of things coming back, but like like with, like films, I feel like are easier to track for sure. Yeah, project than TV because like TV is just like too much why 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 do you prefer that oh um the invincible is coming back with the second season this year as well which i'm excited about uh oh yeah the idol yeah true uh weird thing but apparently they made too hot to handle german version and i'm pretty sure i'm gonna hate to watch it because germans are very very cringy morbid curiosity might get the best of me exactly exactly um i'm excited for the pamela documentary i'm not sure if it's going to be good but i'm mm-hmm. interested to sort of see what she has to say about her own story <sighs> i hate marvel and disney because nowadays like new marvel show new star wars shows i don't care <laughs> is there anything else 
I think. Uh, a film that I'm excited for, Challengers, with Zendaya from Luca. Oh, is that a Luca Guadagnino film? Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it's, and, it's com- and it's coming out this year. Um, June 2. June 2, yeah. Uh, I'm very curious about Wonka. I don't think it's going to be good. It's I'm probably going to be terrible, but I'm, I'll be there for the TV performance. Just, just what will that <laughs> look like? I feel like he needs a bad performance. Like I feel like he needs to be taken needs down. Needs to be humbled. Needs to be humbled. <laughs> he needs to be humbled. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for the second season of Shadow and Bone, which is a cool fantasy show on uh, Netflix. Anyway, I think, I think that's all. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's Bang a good slate. That's a good slate. Bang yourself around. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. I'll put some song in. Uh, funny I will. Song. I will. Bye. Stop Bye. recording.